Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome back to the one and only Cavs the Podcast. Featuring commentary from all of your favorite Cavs the Blog bloggers. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith here with uh, Eli Kim and David Wood. Sorry, I should I should have let you guys uh, speak there, but how's it going, guys? I'm doing good, hanging in during the whole Corona era. Awesome. Yeah, I'm doing all right too. I'm in, uh, you know, been going back and forth between Southern California and Columbus, Ohio. So definitely can't compare the weather. Where where you at right now? At this moment, I'm in San Diego. So how close is all the fire stuff to you? Uh, I don't think it's really close at all. I think uh, I barely pay attention to it, which is kind of sad. Um, well, it's but, not close yeah, enough for you to really have to pay attention us. to it is the answer. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad that you're safe. David, are you, are you safe? Yeah, I'm relatively safe. Uh, except so for I... working five different jobs? Yeah, with the, the public pretty much. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I've, I've been doing pretty good. Uh, we were just talking about my, uh, my tick story from that I published today that happened to me a couple weeks. I've been getting a lot of tick jokes from, from family members and, and as David asked, no, it didn't even, it, I don't have Lyme disease now. It did not bite me. So that I know of, uh, but when we left the house, I did throw away the frozen tick in the Ziploc bag from the freezer. So so we sent it. We sent it to a uh, landfill grave. So the ghost of the tick will no longer haunt me. Um, so you guys been watching the playoffs? I've just gotten into it. I caught the um, that Lakers Portland game, and Which I turned was it off. The, the best game of the playoffs so far. I know. I well, I turned it off in the third because I'm like, oh crap! Here, here it goes. They're pulling all. Like I thought the Lakers were just going to pull away, and then when I woke so up, the Lakers thought that too. <laughs> <laughs> So you didn't even watch the rest? Yeah, that was my take on that, was that the Lakers really thought they had it won when they went up by, like, eight or so. And, man, Portland just came right back, and before the Lakers knew it hit them, they were down. And, I mean, Dame, I don't know. Like, Ben Worth on the live or on the email chain was talking about how Dame isn't Steph Curry, but, man, when you can pull up from 36 feet and switch, it just extends the defense out so far uh he's better than steph curry <laughs> i don't i don't know what do you think eli do you think he's better than steph curry i i don't think so i think his shooting is probably not as consistent i would say and, and not that he doesn't shoot a good percentage it's just he hasn't done it for five years straight in a row which that has so that's that's kind of where i'm at and also i just think Dame is not as good of a facilitator and dribbler as Steph is, so I'm not I'm not there yet. I think it's recency bias for sure with that in play. 
I think uh, Dame is. I don't think Dame is as good of a team defender as he is, but also Steph's on a better defensive team, so it it kind of masks that. But I think Steph is a decent system defender, um, whereas Dame is not as good, and I think that's Ben Worst's biggest complaint. But and I also don't think the other one of the things that makes Steph so ridiculously good is how good he is off the ball. Like, not only is he a great dribbler, a pretty good facilitator, can drive and shoot from anywhere, but his movement off the ball is really what sets him apart, in my opinion, in the way they run that offense. Because as soon as he gives it up, he's almost more dangerous just from a relocation standpoint. So I, I would give the nod to Curry, or at least the Curry we are used to. Um, but Steph is really, really good. Um and unfortunately, I love C.J. McConnell. Um, he is not at that level. He's kind of a second-tier all-star. But or wait, McCollum? C.J. McCollum. I don't know why I said McConnell. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you knew what I meant. Not T.J. McConnell, C.J. McCollum, which is sad because he's from just down the road at, uh, at Glen Oak. But, so I should know that. So, did you hear my story about falling off my bike in front of uh, oh, yeah. Costa Kufos? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He I didn't realize Kufos. he was from the area. Yeah, he's from. He went to Glen Oak too. I actually played against. He's the only NBA player I've ever played against because I played against him in a couple pickup games uh, when he was like fifteen. What were you asking, Eli? Oh, I was just kind of curious how. Uh, yeah, besides that bike story, as you were. How was your anniversary, I think, with your wife, right? Oh, recently? yeah, 20 years. We spent the entire day years. in the car. <laughs> I was uh, going up. Um, well, we, the funny thing was the original plan was to go to Hawaii this year. Um, <laughs> and that didn't work out. And I'm, uh, Well, first her mom had said, because we wanted to take the whole family and renew our wedding vows. And her mom had said, well, I can't really at Christmas time, which and so uh, we decided not to do that. And then, boy, that turned out to be a really good decision, <laughs> just with everything going on. So we would have had to cancel all. That. Glad that we didn't have to. Um, so we drove up to Traverse City with the family. We actually spent like ten hours in the car that day. So it was more of a just celebration of the family and being together than it was a romantic after a romantic day. But it was it was pretty awesome. Uh, I'm a lucky guy, so <laughs> yeah. That's my mother-in-law saying hi <laughs> in the background. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, we had a really good time. Uh, Michigan's gorgeous, uh, except for the ticks. So, <laughs> and then tonight we got the NBA draft lottery coming up, which is the first real Cavs news in months, uh, aside from them saying they're going to let them practice all together, but. Uh, it, it that should be fun, Eli. What's your best case scenario for the NBA draft? Like, where do they where do they end up in the lottery, and who do they pick? Okay, um, I think the ultimate best case scenario is that the Cavs win the lottery, and the Minnesota Timberwolves are fourth or fifth, and they really want Lamelo Ball or Anthony Edwards. Um, because the Timberwolves, I think, are the only team with two first-round picks this year that are attractive. Uh, they have a pick 
that's slated for 17th, which would be perfect for my personal favorite player in this draft, Sadiq Bey. Um, that would be my uh, choice. And then with the fourth or fifth or fifth, sixth pick, whatever Minnesota has, they could take anyone except for LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards or James Wiseman. That would be my <laughs> kind of dream scenario, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm out on Wiseman Ball. I'm on the fence on Edwards, but definitely Wiseman Ball. I'm all the way out on. Um, and and I really like Sadik. But is that how you pronounce it, Sadik? Uh, I think it's. I'm not sure. I I always pronounce it Sadik, right, but, but I don't know. I think it I might know, be Sadik. I think you might be right. I don't know the proper pronunciation. I've only read it, but I don't think he'll be there at 17. I think he's a really good player. Um, and I think he's a bit underrated on a lot of draft boards. And I think a team like that's just outside of the lottery that maybe just missed the playoffs and really needs a, a player that kind of can step right in and fill a role uh, will snap him up. I don't think he'll be there at 17 because of that. But you never know. I think, like a lot of people have said, this is going to be a draft where a lot of the guys – in the after the lottery are going to go to better situations than the guys in the lottery. Um, and a, you might see a lot more upperclassmen drafted because teams need guys to come in and contribute right away. Um, I don't know. The other thing I've been reading is that, you know, almost everybody in the second round, they're going to try and stash them because teams don't want to carry more than 13 players next year. Um, and, and whether that's in the G League or overseas is should be interesting. But, yeah, my kind of ideal is Cavs get a top three pick and trade out for a draft pick next year because I don't think the Cavs really want to have two rookies this year because they're going to have at least two already with that top pick plus Dylan Windler, who's coming back from next year and didn't play a game for the Cavs in the regular season. So he's still technically a rookie. Um, so that's my dream scenario there, but I'm a little scared that Kobe's going to screw it up and take one of those guys. So I would be more than happy to see the Cavs end up fourth, fifth or sixth. So, so David, we were just talking about in the break, we broke for a minute about the ESPN piece on Lonzo Ball today. The Lamella Ball. Lamella Ball, sorry. The one with, that started with, what was the line, Eli? Uh, he doesn't do scouting reports. <laughs> I quit reading after the first paragraph. Oh, my God. Was, you needed to read the, the whole thing. I was just like, how are So this is who they want to push for their number one prospect, and that's how you start it? <laughs> oh, the best part is um, just how ridiculous... The rest of the article is like that. Even the rest of the article was even more hyperbolic. So it was crazy. What was the line I sent you about oh, the, uh, not changing line. his shooting form? <laughs> his shooting form is based on belief. <laughs> I was like, wow. I mean, to me, it made him come off like a total flake and like. Like he's not even going to have graduated high school before he goes to college, before he plays in the NBA. Like he hasn't even graduated high school yet, which to me is a little insane. And so, 
And to me, the best point guard prospect in the draft is uh, Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton. Did I get his first mm-hmm. name right? Um, yeah. Guy with great shooting numbers, great uh, blocks and steals and assist numbers and rebounds and doing it in an actual D1, you know, leading his team to a really good record. And because he's kind of got a goofy jump shot that's going to be a little hard to get off off the dribble, uh, it's definitely dropped his stock. But I definitely think Mello is is the hype. So, uh, David, did I ask you what your best case scenario for the draft was, or for the lottery was? And the draft. Um, uh, so I got cut off. So basically, I don't want the Cavs to have a top three pick because <laughs> we'll blow it. Um, they, if we do get a top three pick, I'd hope they trade. But I really just hope the Cavs grab a person like a guy who's just serviceful because we aren't the best at developing guys, mm-hmm. and we already have Sexton and. Um, Garland, we need to develop. Yeah, but um, I like that one guy. Den, I think that you say his name, Deni or Dene of Dene of Dija, Dene of Dija. Yeah, like I'd like a guy like that that's already playing like pro ball that could maybe just come in and slot in as like a role player. Well, Lamelo's already playing pro ball. Well, <laughs> I need a guy that can scout. You know. <laughs> I mean, a guy that looks at scouting reports. Yeah, yeah Lamelo right. might be the hidden gem of the draft if he wasn't even scouting over there and he was putting up eighteen points. Yeah, Can you imagine at, what he would have done if he was scouting guys. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, no, and I'm then, with you. Um, do you think the Cavs will take more than one rookie this year? I don't really know because. I don't think I think a lot of teams are just afraid to pay. Right. So I'd ima- I'd imagine they trade and our team's already kind of big like we have Porter Jr, Garland, Sexton, Windler and then I I don't really know what other I think we have some other rookies on the team too or not rookies but like young guys outside of that. Yeah, I think the problem the Cavs are they just have so many young players that need playing time and there's yeah. just not enough time and then it, there's like no direction because of that and just to take another point guard uh possibly i think that just really messes things up so that's like the that's the problem with the Cavs in this draft the main problem i mean um you know i envy a team like the bulls because they have pretty high draft picks at all different positions and different roles so they can genuinely just pick someone best player available and not really ruin or rock the boat in terms of time and role. Unlike the Cavs where we have two small guards that both want to have the ball in their hands. We have possibly the highest ceiling guy who might need the ball in his hands more to get better. And, and, you know, we might take a guy this year, the Cavs might take a guy this year who needs the ball a lot as well. So, I mean, I, I just don't, I just don't get it uh, in that regard. I mean, even the guy I really liked, Denny Adia, he would need the ball in his hands a lot to yeah, kind of maximize his He's potential. very much a point forward. So, yeah, so it's just really tough uh, for the Cavs in general as they try to build this thing and really rebuild, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. Um, but it's still fun and it's still change. Um, 
I know the uh, draft lottery, so we're kind of live potting the draft lottery, although you won't listen to it live, but uh, the Bucks just beat the Magic, so uh, Wadge is on the screen going through everybody's draft odds here. So, And then, of course, you got Steph Curry representing the Warriors, who everybody thinks are going to trade this pick to try and get another star, as they pretty much tanked the season this last year. Um. I I'm I really don't want to see him end up with a top 3 pick, but I also would love to see him get a top 3 pick, take a guy and have him be a total bust. <laughs> so I'm I'm very much torn cuz I hate I very much dislike the Warriors. And I almost have this feeling like the Grizzlies are going to end up in the top 4 just because they uh didn't tank the they season hard. Very much or barely fell out of the uh, the playoff race and got two of the three best guys in the last draft, so it could happen. Um, who's so? Is there anybody else that so we talked about Avdija a little bit, who is a uh, power or a combo forward, more of a small forward, point forward from uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, and I like him. He's got a really good handle. A lot of people really like his feel for the game. Uh, he's more of a spot-up, catch-and-shoot, set shooter. Um, not great at shooting off the dribble, but he's been putting a lot of work in his game there. But he didn't shoot a great percentage in this last stint for, I think he was in the mid-30s for uh, Maccabi. But he was also putting up a ton of shots, and he looked like he was pressing a little bit. Um, so I like him. I like uh, Ty Halliburton. Anybody you like, David? Um, well, the one guy I had that fell out of the first round was that Reggie Perry guy from okay. Mississippi State. He's just, he's got big size. He's 6'9", 250, but he has a decent jump shot and he seemed to move the ball well, like just as a second, uh, like the second facilitator. Not going to dribble anywhere, but if he's moving, he can finish at least. And he's not selfish, which was nice to see. Yeah. Anybody else near the top that you're a big fan of, or are you just taking a wait-and-see approach? I'm taking a wait-and-see approach. I mean, I like LaMelo, the concept of LaMelo Ball, if he wasn't a ball. <laughs> exactly. Like, because he's just got good size. He's 6'8". Like, that'd be sweet to see, but I just, I don't want the Ball family around the Cavs. No, it just seems that like could go a very nonstop bad. circus. Um. What about you, Eli? Who who else do you like uh, for the Cavs? Yeah, for the Cavs, I also really like Devin Vassell. I think he's pretty low on a lot of like these experts' uh, picks, like maybe fringe top ten guy. But yeah, you know he has a really good like the advanced stats on his defensive metrics are pretty strong. He has a really high block and steal rate. He's, you know, a taller uh, guy than, like, a guy like Isaac Okoro. But, you know, he... And a much better spot-up shooter. Yeah, exactly. He can shoot, and he probably plays better in a team defense. He can play better team defense and maybe even individual defense at this point. And, you know, the Cavs need guys that can come in and, uh, you know, do their job. You know, as much as potential is a great word and something that everyone shoots for in the draft, this high in the draft, uh, there's something to be said with someone with a really high floor, and I think Cell has one of the highest floors in the top of this draft for sure. I, I'm with you. Uh, John Hollinger had a piece today, and he ranked him seven. 
um, as you know, guys who are ready to play right now in the NBA. Um, he's got a really high release on his uh, jump shot and a quick release, which I think is going to be really good for him. Um, and he led Florida State to a 26-5 and record. The biggest problem with him is he's not a great guy off the dribble, but he's a really good finisher in transition, but not as the primary ball handler in transition. But he runs the floor really well, and he can really throw it down. Um, I like him a lot, and it's funny because a lot of what this draft is going to come down to is who's been working on their game and what have they been working on for the last six months. And kind of nobody knows what that's going to be. So the draft lottery is starting here, I think. Um, it's hard because it's on mute, but oh, nope. No. One more commercial. Um, so... I'm trying to think. Yeah, Devin Vassell, I really like. I like Ty. Ty Devin Vassell is probably third on my board after uh, uh, Abdija and Halliburton, who are kind of one and two. And then I really like uh, Isaac Okongwu, who played for USC. Onyeka Okongwu. I'm sorry? Onyeka Okongwu. Onyeka Okongwu. You yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I said Isaac. I think you're talking about Isaac Okongwu. Yeah, I was because his picture was up on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, oh, and Yeka Akangwu, uh, really yep. interesting player, pretty big wingspan for his size. He's an inside player, really good finisher, but kind of what's intriguing about him is a lot of people really like his lateral movement, his flexibility, and his ability to switch onto smaller defenders. Plus, he gets a lot of blocks and steals, um, has a good shooting form, uh, and is a free throw shooter in the 70s which is pretty good for a fairly underdeveloped big man but he does not really have a step out game right now so it'd be real interesting to see what he's been working on uh while you know in in the in the stoppage i probably have him ranked fourth um are you guys either of you guys have any thoughts on okongwu I really like okongwu i think um personally i'm really high on him i would take him over while Wiseman easily, like yeah. none even close. But I'm, you know, all the rumblings and crumbs that we get from the Cavs seem to indicate they're not really high on him at all, which is, yeah. I think, a mistake. Because um, I do agree for the same reasons. He's super athletic, and he reminds me a lot of Montrez Harrell, who you know <clears throat> yeah. got really knocked in the draft process when he was in the draft because of his height um, and size, but. I think Okongwu is maybe even a little bit more athletic and uh, has a better chance to develop a better shot. Yeah, the guy he reminds me a lot of is a young Serge Ibaka, Um, a guy who can block a lot of shots. Really, um, maybe not. I mean, Serge was an amazing shot blocker when he was young, but maybe not as uh, agile as Serge Ibaka, but probably a better finished offensive product. Um, at least from a finishing and, you know, post moves and able to turn over either shoulder or on the basket. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I can see your comparison as well. Um, what are your thoughts on, uh, Isaac Okoro? I, I like Okoro. I think he, um, his shot is really broke. Um, and I think his defense and athleticism is gives him a high ceiling if he can fix his shot. Yeah, um, I think he's a little underrated in terms of his like playmaking and finishing. I think those are pretty strong compared to like especially Devin Vassell. But um, 
I'm really worried. When I watch the tape of him, he looks kind of small to me. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of people say he's like six 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 seven, but I think at the combine it's going to be like six four six five at the most. And if that's the case, I mean, obviously his standing reach and wingspan are important too, but. He just looks really small compared to the six 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 seven a height that we get, and if he's you know less than six five, I think it's going to be really tough to slate him in as a potential every every minute wing. Uh, yeah, and the he, way the league is going right now, and yeah, and he reminds my draft comp for him because he's also a good defender. He's a really good defender who doesn't get a lot of. Was he the guy I was saying doesn't get a lot of blocks and steals? And you and I were going back and forth on Twitter yeah, a little bit. He does not. He does yeah. not get a lot of blocks. But I also feel like he's one of those guys that just shuts people down off the ball. Like I kind of compared him to a really good cover corner that no one that quarterbacks don't throw at, and that's part of why he doesn't get a lot of mm-hmm. blocks and steals. And he reminds me a little bit of uh, the cr- the grindfather Tony Allen, who didn't always get a ton of blocks and steals, but was a really good. Uh, defender, um, and similarly was only around six four, but played bigger than his size. And the one thing on, on Okongwu and that helped Tony Allen. And I know that uh, Ben Worth was saying, uh, and I published it today. A lot of people really underrate strength, and he definitely has a lot of functional game strength. So, um, you got any thoughts on Okoro, David, or you <laughs> you haven't followed it enough? I mean. No, I don't really have much on our core. I was trying to look up his shot to see. I like the guy you talked about before. The um, I, I can't Okongwu. say his name. I, yeah, it was Kongwu. He's just like he looks like a like a man already. <laughs> David is the best. <laughs> nice. well, uh, he does. One, one no, tidbit, I know you put it really well. <laughs> one tidbit about Kongwu: he played with uh, the Ball Brothers at Chino Hill. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but oh, interesting. He was part of that team that went thirty-five and zero, um, and like the one that the CIA team where Lamelo uh, scored ninety-four the, in a game. It was ninety-two points a sophomore year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that Okoro guy shot oh. is hideous. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little all over the place. <laughs> oh, it's pretty rough. Um, Anthony Edwards. Uh, I think Anthony Edwards could be a really good player if he ends up on the right team. Um. The problem, you know, a lot of people talk about his motor, talk about um, whether he can be engaged defensively, talk about whether he's that good. I actually think he's a better playmaker than he's given credit for. I don't think Georgia had a lot of really good players to pass to. Um, But (sighs) there's some questions there. And even with as athletic as he was, his percentages were not great. I. He's a real mystery to me. I think he could be really good, uh, or he could be a total bust. Um, or it may take. He almost strikes me as one of those guys that kind of flames out with his first team and then comes back and is a solid role player for kind of the second or third team he ends up with. So, so I'm I'm on the fence about him. But the draft lottery is starting here, so uh, we've got Mark Tatum. Uh, so at 14, we'll see if the Grizzlies are – wow, the Grizzlies the Grizzlies moved into the top four. 
Wow, that means they keep their pick because if yeah. they didn't, they wow. uh, oh, Boston. Oh, wait, maybe they said it was Boston for the Grizzlies. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Okay, false alarm. So the Pelicans at 13, Trajan Langdon disappointed. Yeah. But they hit the lottery last year, so they have no th- nothing to complain about. Kings and 12, so far going pretty according to script. Uh, Spurs at 11. Uh, they'll get a really good player at 11, and then we'll all wonder why that guy went to a... Uh, it's weird how they're doing the, the lookaways. Uh, Suns at 10, thank God, because if the Suns had gotten a top four player, they with as well as they played in the bubble, James Jones would have taken the best one and been awesome. Wizards at 9, so no big surprises, I don't think, so far. Yeah. Are you following along with the uh, the order here? Yeah, I am. Okay, I'm so, a little bit behind you, though, actually. Okay, so nobody's jumped up so far. Nick's at 8. Yeah. Oh, so the Hornets made it to the top four. Yeah. That makes that means me happy. That dropped two spots. That means the Hornets will take a terrible big man. The Bulls move to the top four. The Pistons at seven. Uh, that means the-, the Cavs are in the top. Well, so let's see who's at six. The Hawks at six. So the Cavs, I don't know where the Cavs are. They might be in the top three. So- nope. Cavs at five. All right. I can live with five. Okay. I'm happy. All right. All right. The Cavs are going to have a hard time doing something stupid <clears throat> at five unless one of those guys slides. So, <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? Uh, I wouldn't put it past the Cavs to do something dumb at five. So I'm, I'm happy. Uh, I'll, I'll tweet out now that the Cavs are picking fifth and they won the lottery. <laughs> i'll retweet it right now i mean this is the draft that something crazy could happen though where like a anthony bennett type situation for the number one pick right oh absolutely there's not enough consensus it seems like um yeah totally i mean i I, there's people that say if dj could go number one to the right team like if the warriors go number one a lot of people think if dj could end up there uh the knicks could do well. I think if the Knicks are number one, Lamelo Ball's a no-brainer. Um, what, what do you think of these Chris Paul with fake Chris Paul with Alfonso Romero? I think <laughs> nothing. You guys don't like him. No, I, I think it's overplayed personally. Well, so I'm not a big fan of these statements. Yeah, that's true. They really don't change up much. So. Do, <clears throat> Have have you seen any much playoff games, Eli, so far? Yeah, I've actually watched almost all of them, um, to be honest. So. Oh, okay. So, what's yeah. your favorite commercial so far? Oh man, um, I'm trying to think. So, my favorite commercial is the the Donald Trump uh, woman with the gigant with the phone with the di- gigantic buttons who the attacker is breaking into her house and the police won't answer because Joe Biden cut all the police uh, funding. That's oh, yeah, you got to leave a, you got to leave a message. Yeah, I just the, my I favorite part message. about that is how enormous the buttons on that phone are like there. That phone was like top of the line in 1998. She's got that firefly <laughs> or the firebug or June bug phone. It's so awesome. Um, I'm trying to think. Like it, 
I really dislike the Brie Larson Nissan commercial. Like it just, oh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't like it really grates me. Yeah. What were you saying? I don't like that one at all either. You, <laughs> you know which one I like? I like the Snoop Dogg and the Corona commercial. Yeah, that one's all right. Yeah. Um, it's really short, sweet. Yeah, my it's wife really liked the split screen Nike commercial, where okay. You know what I'm talking about, where it would be the person, yeah, then they yeah. split screen into the next a- athlete. I thought that was actually, I I made fun of it when I first watched it, but I was like, yeah, at least they put some craft into that, you know. And mm-hmm. I I guess my biggest problem with it is, is I got so sick of like March through June of during these trying times commercials. Um, and like, they didn't have any budget for anything. So it was like somebody walking around in the house to, uh, to sad piano music <laughs> in like every yeah. one of them. And then like their rental car shows up at their door or something. And that one just like drove me insane. I really did not like that one. So, uh, that, that was my least favorite during, but we, it was tough watching TV at that time. So, yeah, so what do you think? So we got the Bulls and the Hornets in the top three. So what terrible draft pick do the Hornets? It's going to be a tall Wiseman, white guy. Right? It's going to be Wiseman. I they yeah. always take the big guy, and he's always terrible. You think? Well, yeah. yeah there's really no. Well, it could be FDJ because there is a tall white yeah. guy. Yeah, that's true. But he's not American, so that's not. that's also true. Yeah, that's a conundrum for him. It is. It is. <laughs> do you take the overrated center, or do you take the um, the overrated tall white guy? So, oh, here's the top four. So we got wolves. So that's a big get for the wolves. Um, yeah, especially Cat and uh, Warriors. Lamello. They could be good, right? Theoretically. Yeah. Who Cat and who Lamelo? D'Angelo and uh, I don't think so. The Bulls at four. I don't think they would. Pre- okay. Oh wow. That means the Warriors to top three. Hornets at uh, three. Wow, this is rigged. What's the Aisha uh, Curry qu- quote? They did it for ratings or something. Oh yeah. Sorry, I've so seen it. Warriors at two. This is rigged. Bulls I at saw. one. And the and the Wolves at number one. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's big for the worst. So that team's on the market. So that's actually big for them. I do got to say I love the thought of LaMelo Ball going to the worst franchise over the last, like, 20 years in the <clears throat> NBA. Um, that excites me. Uh, how long till his dad's in the front office? Oh, How long until? I bet his dad is already pissed. His dad doesn't want him there at all. Yeah. So that should be interesting. Um, and the funny thing is, is they also picked up um, uh, D'Angelo Russell, who is their rep. Do you really um, want to have D'Angelo Russell take, who is Kat's best friend, and that's the whole reason they traded for him? Do you really want him to... Uh, to take the ball out of his hands and piss your best player off, or yeah, and your second best player. Yeah, I think they might take Anthony Edwards number one. Actually, I don't think that's I think a that's terrible pick for them. Yeah, 
He's definitely a guy that can score it and makes sense. need another scoring wing. And he would get plenty of shots there. That's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Welcome back to Cavs of Podcast. We've got a little change in the lineup here. So David Wood had to take off. So we've added our own Ryan, a.k.a. Jude Elysium, to the lineup here. So we're going to do a little uh, mock draft action here for at least the lottery. And I don't know who wants to go first, but Eli, why don't you pick for the Minnesota Timberwolves? I think they're going to pick uh, with the first overall pick, Anthony Edwards. Nice. Um, I think it makes uh, most sense considering they don't want to take the ball out of D'Angelo Russell's hands too much. And you know, Edwards came into the season as a number one prospect. Sure, he has his flaws, but he hasn't completely, you know, fallen out of the top five, top three picture this whole year. Um, I think. Minnesota, again, doesn't want to take the ball out of Russell's hands and rock the boat with Carl Anthony Towns or P.U. Russ. So, you know, a nice consolation prize for being aggressive trading their pick next year to get D'Angelo Russell and hopefully using this first overall pick as a foundational piece. Um, The fit, I think, is okay. It's probably better than ball, but Edwards does have star potential and i think it's the most obvious start potential to anyone in this draft so i think that's who they're going to pick and i think it'd be their best best choice at this point interesting so uh ryan uh do you think golden state keeps the pick at number two or trades it uh, i find it really hard to believe they keep it uh i, I mean i I don't know. Maybe there's some crazy fever dream that they're thinking of where it's a good idea to keep it, but I can't believe that they don't just try to grab everything they can to extend the little bit of the dynasty that they have left, uh, especially with stuff like losing Durant and seeing how fleeting it could be. It's I just don't believe they'd have the patience to keep it. I'm with you. So do you think, who do you think the, the pick is here for, they basically auction it off for whoever wants Wiseman or Ball here. Yeah, and I really even am not really entirely sure which one would be the choice, but obviously it's just going to have more to do with who they can get something for. Yeah. And who do you think could move into that? Honestly, who, sure. Who what do you think looking... could trade up into that? Giving it at least a decent amount of thought, but I'm not exactly sure what they're going to try to do. Because yeah. um, I mean. Obviously, they're not going to go guard, and yeah. that's the most options in the league for. Uh, it's, I mean, I guess they so could do, do some entirely wacky, like go for Ben Simmons and play him as a forward, but I can't really imagine that. So, I, and it's kind of tough because outside of the like established superstars at uh, more the wing position, I'm not really sure who would be available to them. Well, there has been some talk of that they have their sights set on Booker from Phoenix. Um, but I have a hard time thinking Phoenix is going to move him. But if there's a guy that could move that needle, it's him. And if there's a team that would do something that dumb, it's Phoenix. <laughs> and, Those but two that's things a, I agree with. That's a Robert Sarver move, though, not a James J- J- NBA champion James Jones move. <laughs> Um, I don't think James Jones would go for that, but, um, but still they're dealing with, you know, finding a way to slot yeah. Booker in with Thompson and Curry. And I mean, you can move Thompson to small forward, 
but it it loses some of the advantage he has of yeah. powering over most guards. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, but that also gives you a lot of lineup flex. Um, Honestly, yeah. There's nobody. Uh, so I think. So if they keep it, who do you think they draft? Well, who do you who are you picking for the mock here? Uh, wait for number two. Yeah. I guess if they keep it, I can't see them picking anyone but Wiseman. I'm with you. I mean, that's the only thing that could slide into the lineup and actually improve them. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. I th- I think that's probably the pick for them. Um, and maybe they do go that way. Maybe they just don't see enough on the lineup that you know are available for trade, and they figure that hopefully he'll grow fast enough and hopefully their star power without him is good enough that they don't need to trade. I don't know. Well, I think the other part is they also want to unload the, because the big rumor is they want to go after Giannis after next year. Uh, And I would think they would want to unload the, um, uh, what's his name? The Uh, Wiggins Wiggins contract. Yeah. Yeah. That I can see. And I think any taking Wiggins and getting another player back is a, is a definite thing that would probably happen if they moved him. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I actually could see the Cavs trying to dangle a Kevin Love for Wiggins move to, though I think there's a little bit too much, um, familiarity and, well, no, not that. I think positionally, well, I could see him moving Kevin Love there and then ending up with uh, <laughs> with uh, Draymond Green just because Dan Gilbert owns the Cavs. But uh, I don't know. I could see Charlotte trying to move up a spot, too, and them getting something out of Charlotte. And, of course, I could also see them trying hard to go after uh, uh, Joel Embiid from Philly. Yeah. Because yeah. Philly looks like they're in mediocrity hell right now and of course but totally agree boston also has a ton of draft capital uh in this draft and the next several drafts so they could also you know probably put a pretty good package together around gordon haywood and go that route but i doubt boston wants that wiggins contract either um Yeah, and I really hope we don't end up with it, as you mentioned earlier, because right. as you said, there's so much roster redundancy that it's, even if he was everything we hoped for, it would be a little bit of a dangerous move. But nowadays, it's a... It's now, here's like a crazy theory. The here's a crazy theory. What if Anthony D- Davis decides he can't win with the Lakers? And I could actually see the Lakers trading Anthony Davis to get that number two. If if it just looks like it's all going to fall, really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. with the timeline they have with LeBron, but if Anthony Davis says he's leaving, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, you get and that. And then point. you say, well, would you take a time, sign and trade to Golden State? Yeah. I don't know. Well, um, I think Indiana might be a player that can move into there, but I'm not sure they have a ton of what um, Golden State wants. But they do have Oladipo, and they do have. Uh, TJ one, they have some guys. So they have a lot of TJs. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, I guess they could move Brogdon as well if they yeah. wanted to. Um, but yeah, I don't they're... know who else is out there that could really put together a great package to move into number two, though. But I think you're going to see some really surprising things too. 
Oh, I agree, especially with the uh, adjusted uh, cap of whatever yeah, it's going to be. Absolutely, it's. I feel like we're going to see things that are just completely baffle the mind over this yeah. next. No, I think you're going to see some really good players move to. Like, there's some. I think Brooklyn is going to have a hard time paying the bills. I think there have been more than one report that uh, Houston Tillman Fertitta uh, is hemorrhaging money. Um, I don't think the Clippers have that much to worry about because Balmer has a ton of money. But um, Orlando, I think anybody in Orlando is in play, although they just lost their most promising young player in uh, Isaac. So it should be interesting. Um, so is it comforting to know that we have the second richest owner in the NBA right now? It It is a little comforting to know that. Um, I kind would not weird. be surprised yeah. to see San Antonio blow it up. And yeah. maybe Lamarcus Aldridge and um, like Lamarcus Aldridge and oh, who's the other guy they got? DeRozan. DeRozan. I think he's a free agent though. There. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We there's no blueprint for what the Spurs would do at this point because they haven't been in this situation in yeah. know, like my adult years. lifetime. Yeah, and I don't think they will blow it up. I think they'll do what they've always done and try and run it back, but. Who knows? And then there's also Sacramento is always a wild card. I could definitely see Sacramento doing because Sac- if there's a potential to do something stupid, Sacramento is going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's kind of a foregone conclusion since I started watching basketball. Yeah. And they had the best of uh, Vladi Divas resigned last week because they wanted right. him to share uh, GM duties with Joe Dumars, Dumars. and he didn't want to do that, so he said, well, just pay me my contract then. So, so yeah, we're going to go Wiseman at two for Golden State. Charlotte at three. I really think Charlotte goes with the superstar potential and takes ball here. Um, Yeah. I I can't see what else they would be thinking. Well, they, I can't remember. Not that it's a good choice, but I can't imagine what else they would be. Well, and he fits their team well because they have some good players who are shorter, who are very good shooters, yeah. but aren't necessarily so Deontay there. Graham. Their starting uh, point guard is uh, Terry Rozier right now. So, Right, who's not a long-term solution. Right. So he actually fits that team fairly well. Um, and they do have uh, Miles Bridges. Um who's decent, but man, that team won't play any defense. So, uh, so Charlotte at three takes LaMelo ball. Who does Chicago take at four, Eli? And you can't make this pick just so the guy you want goes to the Cavs at five. Yeah. Man, that's <laughs> tough. Um, I think Chicago, um, I think if they were truly going best player available, I think a, a Kongu is the best player, but at the same time, their young core has Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter, so I don't think they would do that. Um, I don't think Zach Levine's the long-term out option there, so I think they're going to have to take. I think they're going to take Tyrese Halliburton there. I think you're just doing that so if DJ can fall to the Cavs, but but I'm I'll, okay I'll allow that, it, huh? I'm okay with that as well. I'll allow it. I actually think that's a solid pick for him, for them, and and I really like that for for Chicago. Fit really well with um, who's the guy they drafted last year? I was just trying to think of his Kobe name. White. Too. Yeah, Kobe yeah. White. 
Yeah, and actually, you I don't think I that's going to logjam them. Uh, not really, because I mean, who's on their roster from a guard standpoint? So it's Levine, uh, Chris Dunn, and Thomas Sadoransky. Yeah, and, and I mean, they can move Sato pretty easily. Chris Dunn, yeah. I think, is a free agent. Correct. He's a restricted free agent. And um, um, he's a good defensive player, but he's a bench guard. Yeah, um, yeah. They do have Otto Porter's huge contract, that small forward. So, yeah. Um, I definitely could the... see them moving Levine. Um, I could maybe see Levine ending up on the Warriors, but Levine and Wiggins are, they're, they're, I wouldn't say this, they're the same player, but they have the same effect on winning. Yeah. At least so far. In different ways. In different ways, though, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Both of them are defensively deficient. So, yeah, I think that's probably a good fit for them. I could also see them taking FDJ because they definitely have a hole at small forward. Um, but I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pick, uh, is it, is it my pick or your pick, Ryan? Um, I think it's your well, pick. For what? For the Bulls for or the Cavs? So the Cavs. we've got Halliburton to the Bulls. Who do the Cavs oh, pick? Well, for the Cavs, I agree with you with uh, Deja. Yeah. I, it's, uh, again, I'm usually pretty bad at doing draft prep, but I've, over the last several days, just kind of poured over everything. And he just fills almost every box of what they should be going for in the draft right now. Yeah. It's, you know, he has playmaking. He has defensive ability. His wingspan's a little light, but he's he still 6'9". Size. Right. So he's got that. And we really have needed a three that can play the four without being undersized doing it. Uh, yeah. He definitely has three-point shooting potential. I mean, I know he's kind of hit or miss with it, but he's also young, and he's he's still got a pretty good stroke with it. It's, I, yeah. He fits almost everything it, that you could you could plug him into a hundred different lineups that I've thought of when I've been you know going to sleep every night, and it's it, almost every way he can make the team better. Yeah, uh, even if he turns out to be just marginal and just even just a bench player, he'll definitively make the team better. I I I think that's a a good analysis. Uh, I actually think he has a lot of similarity in his game to Chetty Osman, but I think he's a little stronger. I, I noticed the exact same thing where I looked at it and I tried to reserve saying that because I know I've been guilty of a lot of Chetty opti- uh, optimism, mm-hmm. but he looks like what we might have all hoped Chetty would become. Yeah. And he's 19. Yeah. So the other thing I'll say about so him, much time to do it. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, that's fine. I'm sorry. That's, I'm done. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say the other thing I would say about him is from, you know, by all accounts, he's a really hard worker. I actually think he would really fit the Cavs culture well and blend in fairly seamlessly from a culture standpoint. Um, I've got no, you know, qualms about hitting him fitting in with Kevin Love and, and all those guys. And I also like the idea that, hey, now they can bring back Tristan Thompson because Avdija is not a big man. Because if they get if they were to draft like James Wiseman, I don't think there's any way the Cavs bring back Tristan Thompson. So, I absolutely agree. I yeah. completely was thinking the same thing, and it's it again. It gives that possibility of you know Nance being that kind of all-purpose sixth man, 
but they can slide into any lineup and can, again, do some of the work at the three, which amazingly he was able to pull off, which I still want to take credit for bringing up before last season. (laughs) Hey, I was there with you. Yeah, but I, I said it first, but you were. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went on a rant after I went to the whole uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse opening thing. But oh, you were yeah, right okay. With me. I'll give you that. But I, I, that was, I, I'm wrong about all kinds of stuff, and I've totally overvalued people. It's been a long That's time since then, I Ryan, so I was a little, <laughs> forgive me if I've forgotten everything. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you. I forget more than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's again across the board. It's just uh, Denny. I just he gives us so much roster flexibility. He allows us to push Porter to make sure he's playing more of the two than the three. And as you said, the work ethic thing, and it, that's is a European thing where they have to play in all the underage kind of squads. And then they he goes from you know Euroleague MVP for the under twenty squad to playing like 13 minutes a game and is fine with that when he moves up in age, that kind of thing translates. And because of having people like Sexton and other people and Tristan and Nance on the roster, I think that did wonders for bringing in someone like Porter and really unlocking his potential. Yeah. So having another guy that fits into that culture, I think is absolutely key. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, so I'm going to take the next pick for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I don't think they really want, Okongwu here, uh, and mainly because they already have uh, who's their big center they Capella. got on the Rockets, Capella, and there's a lot of redundancy with there, and of course your boy uh, Collins, Juice, Juice, Juice Collins, <laughs> Juice Collins. Um, yeah. So I think the pick here is probably the best wing on the board because they're not going to take a guy like Killian Hayes take the ball out of uh out of Trey's hands. Trey so yeah. yeah, it's gonna either be Devin Vassell or Isaac Okoro here. Um it's gonna really come down to how they evaluate them in the offseason and who's kind of been working on their game or not. But I get definite I think just based on what I've seen and based on the Atlanta philosophy, I think they take Devin Vassell here and get a really good pick that kind of scares me on how good they could be offensively. Because he's a really good three-point shooter as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think he, he really checks all the boxes for them. So that's my pick for Atlanta. Uh, and now I believe you are up for Detroit, Eli. Okay. For Detroit, I think uh, it's, it's pretty tough. They're pretty talent-devoid after trading Drummond to the Cavs. Um, but they, I think they really like that Christian Wood guy. Uh, he had a really good year. After, yeah. He really excelled after Drummond got traded and played a lot of small ball five and shoot the three. So I think they're going to stay uh, kind of wedded to that. And I think they're going to take a guard here. So I'm going to give the Detroit Pistons Killian Hayes at this point. Um, really like Killian's game. A lot of people think uh, a lot of like, uh, what's it called? Publication scouts like the Ringer. And uh, a couple of guys at ESPN really like Killian Hayes, but apparently NBA scouts aren't as enamored with him as uh, the couch GM. Um, I, but I think his game is pretty nice. He has good hands. As, as who's GM? Like the Cavs as GM? Couch GMs. Okay. Oh, uh, I'm saying like a lot of couch GMs like oh, him. Oh, couch GMs. NBA GMs. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But um, 
I I like Killian Hayes' game. I think it's super left hand dominant. But you got to realize, even in the NBA today, people forget players are left handed. Uh, even to this day, even in the playoffs. So yeah, but you like can't play the Cavs major. every day, every game. <laughs> that's true. But I I think he's a good fit. I know Derek Rose is there. They have Luke Kennard, which they're trying to figure out a situation with him too. But you know, I think a, a distributing point guard who's pretty big. Um, and makes a lot of plays, makes sense for the Detroit Pistons. I think that's a, a good pick. Uh, I, I might, you might see him take Okongwu just because yeah. we kind of don't know what's going on with Blake Griffin, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, who's up next? Is it my pick or is it? I think it's mine. It's yours. So, so the New York the basketball next. Knickerbockers. Okay. Uh, so let's see. We got, they're going to either pick, Akangu, uh, Obi Toppin, or uh, Precious. Oh wow, I forgot Obi Toppin was still there. Power forwards. <laughs> they could take a Coro, couldn't they? Or they no, could, take... but I don't think yeah. there's any way Obi Toppin falls any far. Uh, honestly, I have no idea what in living hell the Knicks are going to do. Um, it's it, the one weird chance in hell it, they have is the weird ball curse of apparently. Yeah. You know, Lamelo really wanting to go there and just being an obnoxious something or other, and finding some way to piss off every other team and them ending up with him. Uh, otherwise, I, I I can't even try and think intelligently. So the question is: Is who does ACA re- rep in this draft? That's who the next take because they have Leon Rose running the uh, team now, and he was the lead agent for ACA for years. So. I don't know. Yeah. Whoever ACA yeah, it, is repping is going to the Knicks. Yeah, it's, I, I can't even make an intelligent prediction there. And it, that's not even limited by the fact that I'm somewhat ignorant uh, after we start going down the list. It's just. So, what so the do you, hell are you going to pick or you want me to pick for you? Well, I, I, um, I picked a Kangu because. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, because he's still on the list and he can play power forward. Okay, so, there you go. That's apparently the most important position in the NBA. So I I uh I think if Obi Toppin is there, they're taking him, just because they need another power forward. Yeah, I, I, but that Julius Randle contract is going to maybe they do take Okongwu. Um, that's an interesting one. So I am. Yeah, but the problem is they have Mitchell Robinson, who I think can be pretty good. But I yeah. think that's uh that's what makes it hard for the Knicks too. Yeah, and those are two um, guys that can't really play together. Yeah, but but then again, they don't even start Mitchell Robinson now. They don't start so Mitchell Robinson, like... and he fouls out so quick. He really, I'm not sure he'll ever play over 25 minutes a game. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So next up, we got the Washington Wizards. Um, that's an interesting one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Obi Toppin for the Washington Wizards. Like I think they're thrilled he's there. He's a guy. So Obi Toppin, awesome offensive player, great dunker, great finisher, really good moving without the ball, really uh, a pretty solid shooter, can play pick and pop. Um, I don't know who plays power forward for the Wizards, but he's probably not better than Obi Toppin. Uh, the prob- wow. you don't think you don't think Japanese Jordan? Is oh, I forgot than- about Rui Hachimura. <laughs> yeah, and actually it's Bertans that starts, but he's definitely yeah. leading as a free agent, but. You think you think they're not going to re-sign Bertans? Unless they give him a max 
deal, I don't think so. Well, I think the problem is I don't know if anybody's getting massive deals right. And I think, yeah, it's going to shake everything up. And I think that's actually, so the same thing that kind of makes Tristan likely to stay with the Cavs is he probably doesn't want to give up his bird rights. So I think Bertans maybe signs a one-year deal and they keep his bird rights. But I don't know. He has such an injury history. You might just go with whoever gives him the most long-term money. So Mm -hmm. it should be interesting. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of bird, or, uh, uh, one-year contracts this year as well, though. Yeah. It's just one of those, I think a lot of teams are going to just take the devil, they, or players are going to take the devil they know, and yeah. if you know teams think they can hang on to someone that has some talent, they're going to do it. So what do you think, um, uh, so they've got Bertans, they've got can Rui Hachimura, he plays a three sometimes, doesn't he? But they also play yeah. him a little at the five, right? Yeah, and then they got Thomas Bryant, who's solid. He's okay. Yeah, John Wall. And yeah, Bradley I think Field, there's enough room in the rotation there to take Obi Toppin yeah. because you know he can. They can play him at the four or the five, and they play. They can play Rui Hachimura at the anywhere between three and five. Um, they're going to have defensive problems because the the take on Obi Toppin is he literally can't run backwards like he can't move laterally at all <laughs> and who knows if that is true the other problem with Obi Toppin is he's old um, I believe he's going to be um, he's going to be 20 he's going to turn 23 so yeah, he's 22 and a half right now yeah so he's that's definitely a tough pick for whoever takes Obi Toppin so but I think Washington he's too good they don't let anybody they a lot of people think he's a top five pick, so they probably don't let him go past that. So who's up next? Eli, you are up for Phoenix. Okay, for Phoenix. Um, Okora's still on the board, right? Yeah. But, but they do have T.J. Warren and Booker plays a little three. Oh, they traded him. That's right. They lost the the That's right. They were on the flip side of that. Um, yeah, I think... That's they run to the podium for a core then. He fills a lot of their needs, um, plays defense. His shot is broken, but he can help offload the playmaking off of Ricky Rubio's hands. And I think he slides in well with uh, the culture building that they're trying to build in Phoenix. Okay. So I'm going to Coro. Uh San Antonio at 11. Okay. Do you, uh, do you, um, so do you, are you comfortable picking here? <laughs> Because we're running out of guys. We're running out of name guys at this point. A little bit, and I'm not being overly original here, because uh, I'm agreeing with Tankathon here, but is Vassal still on our board? Devin Vassell? No, no he He's went gone. to uh, Atlanta at six. Okay. Because that kind of fits the sort of, we might not have DeRozan, and he can do several things sort of thing. Uh, then, yeah, I'm starting to lose a little bit of my confidence here. <laughs> Okay, so um, do you want to pick for uh, San Antonio here, Eli? Yeah, sure. I think, um, you know, they're going to lose the Rosen, so they're probably looking for a wing that can come in and fit along with Derek White. And, you know, oddly enough, the Spurs guards can't really shoot threes that well. That's kind of been a trend. So I think they're going to go with the best shooter in the draft on the wing. I think they're going to take Aaron Nesmith from Vanderbilt. I, th- I think that's a very Spursian pick. 
Yeah, that yeah, as I'm looking, that would probably be my second choice as well. From ignorance, but still. <laughs> no, I, I that's who I was gonna guess they would take there. And then so up next we've got who do we have at Sacramento. Twelve Sacramento. Oh, what does Sacramento do? Um I think they're gonna the, pick me. Who's the worst player they could take here? Um, oh, who we got? Who we got? Who we got? Um, Cole Anthony or Tyrell Terry, maybe? Yeah, I. Here's. Uh, they do something totally crazy and they take Poku here. Okay. So they take Alexi. Alexi Pokusevsky, the seven foot small forward slash. Seven foot, one hundred and ninety pounds. Um, from now, where did he play? He oh, played for Serbia. Two hundred one pounds. Yeah, he played for Serbia, and uh, he's got an amazing shot. He's not even nineteen yet. Um, he's got playmaking ability at seven foot, but he doesn't have a huge wingspan. But he's athletic and coordinated and seven feet, a legit seven feet, probably without shoes. So he actually is built a lot like uh, Davis Bertans. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he's a guy that's been all over the draft boards. And like I've seen him in the lottery and I've seen him in the second round. And I think there's a lot of guys. Like the way, depending on the way the draft shakes out, they could go anywhere from the teens to the second round. Um, but he checks some boxes for them. They may be able to stash him overseas for a year so they don't have to pay him. Um, he's a guy that's totally out of the box or totally outside the box thinking, which is what they're known for. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Pokusevsky for Sacramento here. And everybody on the draft uh, broadcast scratches their head and wonders what they're doing. So New Orleans at 13. Really quick, he does have a 7-3 wingspan. Not great for a 7-footer, but not terrible. Well, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, I I think that's a very accurate description. I still think it's <laughs> And he's got a really tall stand. He's got like a 9-6 standing reach or something like that. It's ridiculous. His standing yeah. reach is actually pretty impressive. Anyway... Uh, who wants to take, um, New Orleans, New Orleans at 12. Who wants to be David Griffin? You You guys go back and forth. (laughs) I'm just going to drop in snarky comments at this point. (laughs) Okay. Eli, you are now David Griffin. Who are you taking? All right. I'm David Griffin at 13. I think New Orleans, uh, you know, they took Jackson Hayes last year at center. They got Zion, power forward, small forward, um, JJ Reddick who unfortunately his playoff streak was broken. So I think they might need a wing to get stay young and uh, uh, in the game. I think they're going to take Patrick Williams, Evan Vassell's teammate at Florida State. Super young guy. Uh, has kind of a you know a thicker body than his teammate for sure, but some think he has higher potential um, than a higher ceiling but a lower floor. I can kind of see that, but at the same time, there are some reasons why he's falling. He's not as good of a defender, not as good of a shooter at this point, but I think it's a very smart pick for the Pelicans that can develop for sure. I you don't think it's going to back up their or backlog their bigs a little bit? No, I think you can play him at the three for sure. I mean, he's probably best in, at the small ball four, but 
I think he shoots well enough to play that, and I think can rebound well enough. I think he has the frame to play small ball four. Um, and if Zion plays, you know, small ball five. So long term, I think it could be a good fit still. Okay. Yeah. Um. So for the last pick for Boston, uh, picking for or Memphis picking for Boston here, I'm going to take the guy that I think is probably analytically the best guy in the draft, and I would hate to see him go to about Boston, but they always, either them or Memphis, get the guys I think that I always would hate to go there. So um, I think they end up with Sadiq, Sadiq Bay, and yeah. uh, he's one of the best shooters in the draft. He's got a really repeatable form if it is a little low and he, and he dips a little. He's a really good defensive player, um, but he doesn't get a lot of blocks and steals. Um, oh, that's who we were talking about, who doesn't get a lot of blocks and steals. Okoro gets a decent amount of blocks and steals. Um, but I just think he's probably too... At that point, they're just going for solid floor instead of you know huge upside. Because I don't think there's a ton of like huge upside guys there left. Maybe like yeah. a Nico Mannion, but they have enough. They can maybe already. take uh, Precious, right? Precious Achiwara. Yeah. Honestly, I think they would take or uh, Precious Achua. Uh, yeah. I think they would take uh, Sadiq Sadi Bay there for uh, before right. they take Precious. Yeah. I would, but and they usually do what I would do. So <laughs> when you have more context than I do, but. Uh, it's still Biz defensive statistics in general aren't very good. Now I don't know a lot about his team, so I don't know. If no, that's he doesn't have a lot of blocks and hit. steals, but he's generally considered well, a pretty solid defender, if a little on a. Okay, just even like his defensive win shares and defensive rating, there are on right. low so. Yeah, but a lot of win shares and rating are more attached to those kind of statistics. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean that that could very well an accurate reflection. We don't know until he gets to the pros. Um, well, I'm always really skeptical about defensive statistics in general because they can so easily be swung just by, you know, a specific thing of a stat you're lacking yeah. in or the fact that people around you are bad at something. Uh, just, again, from my ignorance, I'm trying to at least chime in with something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who they take there, but that's my guess. I wanted to get him into the lottery, so... Um. I mean, I'm sure he appreciates it. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, th- I think that's a pretty good, uh, a, a pretty good take on the uh, the old draft. And um, so, what do you think uh, the Cavs? Uh, do you think the Cavs stay with the pick, stay at five, try to move up, try to move down? You see any um, trades on draft day for the Cavs, uh, Ryan? I really, really, really hope not. Because <laughs> I, well, it's everything at the top is a is one of those picks where it's like, well, you kind of have to take w- one of the guys one through three. I mean, just like you talked about in your article, where it's you almost get backed into a corner for it, and I don't think that's necessarily the best option. So if they were one through three, all right, well, maybe you argue they have the pick, so use it, but they don't have it. So giving up something to move into a position that's not even ideal for them. I don't think is particularly good. And then moving down further, they still do need talent. Yeah. And there's a lot of people in that, you know, right around like four to seven range, four to eight range that could 
turn out to be impact players and even ignoring, you know, our suggestions that moving down, I don't think helps them. I think uh, the only way they move down is if one of those top three guys drops unexpectedly and somebody tries to move up to get them. But I think the one thing that the Cavs and probably no one, nobody wants multiple picks in this. (laughs) So it would have to be your future picks. I don't think the I don't even know if the Cavs would want in this draft. Um, yeah, I see them maybe swinging something for someone that they want to take a flyer on. Yeah, but that's late. But they could also do it for a player time. too, right? You know. So yeah, no, I don't think they'll trade their pick for it. Yeah. I could just see them in some capacity be interested in another pick, but yeah, not to drop for further slots. I yeah. completely agree. Um, what about you, Eli? You think they stay at five? You'd see, yeah, have we see any major deals? Um, I think the only major deal could possibly be, uh, uh Golden State at two. And, um, I think the Cavs maybe could trade down if, like, the same scenario if someone, um, one of those top three guys doesn't go top three or four. Yeah. Um, Although I could see if way. somebody really wants Obi top and maybe, cause he's, a lot of people think he's top four. I mean, we had him slide a lot, and I think that's mainly just because the three of us don't really like him. But I, I would really, I wouldn't say I'd be super bummed if they took Ovi Toppin, but I would be skeptical of the success of or Ovi Toppin's contribution to winning basketball game. Yeah. Now the other side of that is everybody's saying the 2021 draft is stacked, and that. And it's even more stacked now because so many people went back to college. If you think this 2021 draft is that good, maybe you take a guy for upside that you think can develop. Um, I'm not sure Obi Toppin's that guy, but maybe he is. Um, even though he's almost, he's going to be 24 by <laughs> the year after this one. So I don't know. It still backs up Denny, in my opinion. Yeah. Because it's, again, that possibility to be everything that everyone's fever dreams of Jetty could be. He's oh, got Obi, Toppin doesn't, Obi Toppin doesn't play at the the four. Or Obi Toppin doesn't play at the three. Right, no, no, I mean Denny. Oh, Denny, yeah. Yes. Uh, Sorry, I thought you said Chetty. I just constantly mispronounce his last name. No, 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 I just thought you said Chetty. <laughs> well, no, I said, cause I said Denny is... Uh, everything that we were kind of hoping yeah, Jetty exactly. would morph exactly. into. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't see a ton of moves that night. Do you, so about the off season, what do you think? Do you think Kevin Love? Uh, so I'm going to give you two guys. Actually, let's just go through the roster, and I'm going to ask you who you think if they're on the Cavs next year or not. Um, so this is a fun game. Uh, so let's start out with the obvious one, Kevin Love. Uh, Eli, Cav next, Cav at the start of next season or not? I think he's a Cav at the beginning of the season. Okay. Uh, Ryan. Uh, absolutely. And I think unless they hit another brick wall, he's a Cav at the end of the season. Okay. Um, yeah, cause I don't think anybody wants that contract now. Right. <laughs> I think that's the and biggest JB, issue. And since JB took over, loves really like, double down on the, okay, I want to yeah. be with this team again. I'm going to grow up and not be so whiny about stuff. I 
I, I can't imagine a situation unless there's some kind of huge blow up during the year that okay. love is somewhere else. Okay, second most obvious. Uh, Tristan Thompson, Eli. Uh, I think I'll say yes. I think he comes back because there's no market for him, and he takes a short-term deal to come back to the Cavs and hope to get traded by the end of the other year or next okay. season. You think he's on the Cavs next season or at the end of the year? I don't think so. I think okay. he, will, he will be at the beginning, but not at the end. Okay. Um, Ryan? I think really, really good chance he's on the Cavs at the start of the season. Uh, same sort of thing. And I, I get that kind of clutch feeling of, well, he's not going to make a lot of money elsewhere. He gets more personal rep and cred for staying with the team. Uh, he already knows a million things he can do for the team. And I think about 50-50 if he lasts through the year. Not particularly because he wants to stay, but he may just want to stay just to live out his contract. Play yeah, and really keep his well bird rights. Team, right. And play really well on a poor team to keep that stats, that integral status, so that when he goes back into negotiations, he has the power that he should have had this season at the yeah. end of the year. Yeah, I'm going I'm to agree with, with both your takes. So next one up, uh, Colin Sexton. We're all yes, right? Yeah, 98% chance. I, the beginning and end, right? Had, he's... It, they really have to get some kind of game-changing offer to get rid of him. Winner, you know, best choice or not, it's he continues on an upward trend as much as he frustrates the hell out of us. Uh, I, I can't see them moving him. No, I actually thought he played great towards the end of the season. So, um, and his I'm, assist numbers started going way up, and yeah. you start looking more like he was going to grow into became, becoming a leader and becoming at the very least, a fringe all-star player. Well, I just love the chemistry that, despite their frustrations with each other, he had with Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. Like, I, re- He really seems like a coachable player um, and that a really hard worker that wants to win. And I think, culturally, he's a guy that you definitely want to value as an... Uh, Eli, any disagreement? Nope. Okay, so Chetty Offman, yeah, Eli. Really quick. Sexton. Also, <laughs> I agree with that. And even going back to the, I think that kind of thing helps someone like Kevin Porter. And I just repeating again, as much as he sometimes frustrates us and I'm sure frustrates love and Thompson and stuff. I still feel like the vets do have like a very healthy respect for his work ethic and for the fact that he's consistently turned weaknesses into strengths. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, Chetty Osman, Eli. Yeah, I think he'll be back. I don't think you, there's a big market for Chetty Osmond. Um, so you think so he's there I, all year? I think so. Interesting. I think we're I think we're married to that. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Ryan Chetty Osmond, same same take or something different? Yeah, it's, uh, I I seriously wanted him to be an All Star type player. I guess there's still some kind of pie in the sky sort of thing that that could somehow happen. Probably won't. But I still think he's of more value to the Cavs than he is to most other teams at this point. I'm the only teams I could think of, like maybe the Spurs, because I know they've put interest in him before trying to take a flyer at him. But I still think the Cavs value him more than anyone else will, and he's going to stay here. Yeah. The only reason, um, so I'm just going to go out on a limb and say uh, he he does get moved to a team like the Spurs. Um in the off season, uh, because they want to clear room for Danny Abdija. And 
they the Spurs are smart enough to play him at a big two where the Cavs should have been playing him for years. But so agreed. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh, no. it's, it's okay. You're both our pet peeves that we've been screaming about for a long time. Yeah. So um I I think he probably does move. Um just and that's a little bit I don't want him to move. I think with the right coach he could be a pretty decent player, but I also think a change of scenery at this point might also be good for him. Um so uh next up, um who am I gonna pick? Okay, so I gotta assume all three of us think Kevin Porter Jr. back next year. Yeah, beginning of the year, year back at the end. Any- yeah. I mean he's part of the developmental core for sure. I don't think we'd straight up trade him for Ben Simmons, even if that was theoretically possible. Uh, He is right now the hopes and dreams of the Cavs. Maybe wrong, maybe right, but I mean, he's shown enough that I I cannot see a scenario where they're like, oh, let's just throw this away and, you know, start over. Yeah. What about, um, so on the opposite end of that spectrum, uh, Ryan, Andre Drummond. (sighs) Beginning of the year, is he a Cavalier? any other year probably not but this year uh oh do you say at the end of the year no beginning of the year and end of the year so do beginning first beginning of the year he's a cab end of the year he's a cab uh he doesn't particularly like moving at least that's you know what you kind of gather uh if he's opting in he's opting in it's unlikely he's going to demand a trade that just looks really fickle uh assuming we don't draft wiseman which seems pretty impossible right now he feels a really necessary role He's paid enough that even when the salary cap rebalances a little bit next year, that it's still a tough trade, especially knowing that it's expiring. I, I can't see any reason why he wouldn't start and end the year with the Cavs. Uh, Eli? I think he starts the year with the Cavs, but I don't think he ends the year with the Cavs. I think he wants um, a longer-term deal, and I don't think the Cavs want to give him one because of the devaluation. The of the center, you know, traditional big man role. So I think he eventually uh, is out, uh, traded at the offseason during the season. Uh, I'm going to agree with you, Eli. Um, and I, I actually think there's a chance he gets traded in the offseason. One of the things I think could happen is the fact that he is only got a year left on his deal. A team that get, wants to get out of one of these long-term deals sees him as a guy that could potentially just... Uh, sorry, I, I blocked there for a minute. Uh, he's a guy that uh, basically can help him get a bad contract off the books after next season. Um, uh-huh. So, And then there's my dream scenario that uh, Rudy Gobert requests a trade... And the Cavs somehow maneuver uh, Kevin Love and Andre Drummond to the Jazz for Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley. So that's my dream trade. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's going to happen, too. Yeah. So there you go. Um, next up, um, who do we got? We got Dante Exum. Eli, Dante Exum, a, a Cav at the beginning and end of the next season? I actually don't think so because he's a nine million dollar expiring this year okay. or for next year. I think he's going to be traded in a salary dump, and uh, the Cavs will take back a lesser player uh, who has a slightly longer term deal uh, with him. 
I, I'm with you there, uh, Ryan. Yeah, I think he. I think there's an even chance he starts the yeah. team with the cat or starts the year with the Cavs just because, and because stuff's going to be weird. But yeah, I do not see him lasting even to the trade deadline. Yeah, I think he's more of a contract than a player at this point. Unfortunately, right. So he might hang around for a minute, yeah. and I mean. I, I like the guy. I'm not like super high on him, but I got no, no he seems fine. But any kind of expectation that he was going to develop into a star has faded at this point. Right. I, I feel like there was a really short window of like, okay, if he shows up on the team and does something incredible, then we take a second look. But otherwise I feel like it was just, well, we got him for a while. Let's see. And otherwise we'll just move stuff around again next year. Yeah. Um, so here's an interesting one. Uh, I mean, I think we all think Larry. So Larry Nance Jr., Ryan, beginning and end. Cab, uh, I, cab for life. I can't, yeah, <laughs> I cannot see him moving. I mean, I don't know, maybe four or five years down the line. I, I can't see him moving before his contract expires. That would shock the living hell out of me. Yeah, I think especially in this market. Yeah. Although I actually think his contract for what he provides is a, is a little bit of a bargain. So, oh, I agree just with that. The, the Cavs have so many have had so many bigs that makes him difficult. But Eli, I agree. I think he's going to stay with the Cavs for a while. Yeah, uh, I think culturally and from a team history standpoint, they love him. So, yeah, it's he provides so many things even off the court. And I mean, being the one guy that was always there when he was allowed to go back to the to the practice facilities, it's just. He has so many intangibles, and he keeps growing and t- growing tangibles uh, like a weed. It's yeah, yeah. I can't see them wanting to get away from that contract in any shape or form. Yeah. So, um, they're kind of their G League star, if you will. Dean Wade. Do you think he's on the regular season roster at the beginning of next year, Eli? I actually think he'll be a two way. Um, the Cavs have a lot, surprisingly, a lot of players that are on the squad that their contracts don't run out. So I think he doesn't make it to the regular season on the regular roster, but I think he does get the two-way contract. Um, Ryan? Uh, I, I got to look at the numbers again to be certain if I'm right here, but I keep leaning towards him making that bottom of the roster slot. Uh, it's again, he just seems to be from the little bits and pieces I've read culturally, someone they really like. Uh, he's a four that has beautiful stroke. I believe he, he's had, he at least has defensive tenacity that he could play three in some lineups. It's, it, he may turn out to be nothing, but I think he's enough to look at that. If yeah. they can find the room, they're going to put him at the bottom of the roster. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you guys. Um, what about uh, so we got Matt Mooney and Jordan Bell? I I think Matt Mooney and Jordan Bell probably good candidates to be two way guys. I don't, do you guys disagree at all? Nah, I agree, especially yeah. if we keep Thompson. Yeah, uh, I Bell think thing. Bell might make the roster, but it depends on Thompson. To be yeah. honest, uh, Dylan Windler. Um, I I my opinion on Dylan Windler is there's no way they move him unless he's just abysmal next year and something's wrong with him. I think he gets all the time in the world to develop. So, or not yeah, all the time in the world, but at least a full season. Plus yeah, his I think it's cap number super like low. Shatters and falls off or yeah. he does something awful. Uh, he has 
too much upside and again too much of that good attitude good work ethic sort of yeah. thing uh and he powered the way he's powered through everything even the glimpses he saw in summer league where he is not a number one option but he played like one and was able to function like one at moments that yeah it, there, i don't i can't see them moving on from him before years up you i yeah, I I agree. I think I think, think uh, this is part of you know Kobe Altman is going to CYA on this pick, um, so there's no way he moves him unless something crazy good like a hypothetical Ben Simmons or Zach Levine trade. Um, but <laughs> because those are not going to happen, he's going to be a cap for this full season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, and I also love the fact that he's kind of a shooting guard that rebounds like crazy or a three. But they can also even pull the, though it's obnoxious, sliding him into a four in certain lineup things. He just, he, he checks too many boxes right now. Yeah, I, I really, I think he's probably the player that most needs this, you know, end of the season mini camp by the Cavs that the NBA has allowed them. Mini uh, individual bubble. He really needs to get his confidence back, play with the team at large, uh, get some reps in. I, I don't know if you guys have heard, I haven't heard, is he fully healthy? That's what he says, at least. Uh, okay. I just read an interview from him like yesterday or the day before where he said he's been able to go with no pain with anything. He hasn't had any setbacks. Uh, awesome. you know, he's moving into the bubble thing. Uh, he's, you know, been able to do like one on O and one on one drills and he's just really hoping to work on five and fives, but he's had no reason to say that he shouldn't be able to. Very good. Um, so the next up, uh, Alfonso McKenney, <laughs> Eli. Alfonso McKenney, a Cav at the beginning of next year. Is he I a free actually, agent? I'm not sure. No, no, no. They signed him to extension. Um, oh, okay. I Was it non guaranteed, though? He, correct. I okay. think he is not on the Cavs to start the year because they'll draft a wing or, uh, um, you know, at least sign a couple wings in free agency. Okay. Ryan? I think Eli's right. Uh, it, I guess there's a small chance if they take a weird draft pick or just the way the roster shakes out or camp shakes out that they have a spot and, you know, everyone still likes the guy. He ends up there, but I, I don't see him having a true purpose on the roster. And if they have any reason to not have him on there, he won't be on there. So I'm going to disagree with both you guys and say that the Cavs don't go with any of these wings that Eli wants, uh, Derek Jones Jr. or uh, Pat Connaughton or who was the other one you liked? Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson. I don't think any of those guys end up on the Cavs and they kind of just roll on to McKinney as that last on the roster. Uh, just, mean, still at, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say just basically from I don't think the Cavs in their growth right now want to pay mid-level type money for uh, a player that doesn't move the needle for them much that kind of isn't in their own development system uh, because while they want to be good so their stated goal is to make the playoffs next year I think that draft and where they're rebuilding is is too good for them to you know really make a run at being a competitive playoff team I think they're gonna kind of do the thing where they play really hard and then a bunch of guys get hurt and get put on the shelf um, much longer than they should. Season progresses and they give a lead. So that's why Alfonso McKinney will stick around. 
Um, See, I can see all that happening, but I still see like roster building at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it, no, it, I'm, I'm with take, you. It, if they do take it, via uh, or Evdia, sorry, uh, and they still got Jetty, and they still got Windler, and they still have Porter that they slot in at three sometimes, and, and they Dante still Exum, have who plays the two. Yeah. And oh, Exum, yeah, uh, but in the self Nance, they can slide in as a three, and yeah, they have they a lot of wings. Think, and I think they bet on um, Dean Wade's future more than Alfonso McKinney's cheap contract, and the fact that he can kind of slot in the wing. I, I just don't feel like they have a lot of space at that position for someone that's just a placeholder. And again, I I like Alfonso. I just I don't know that they have room for him, and I feel like you would be so buried at the end of the bench that if they have any reason to not take him, they won't. Okay. Um, who else we got? I don't think... Oh, okay. So my least favorite and favorite calves are the last two. So we're going to go with my least favorite calf, uh, Darius Garland, Eli. Yeah, I think there's... He's going to be on the roster unless there's some kind of mega trade they can get. Um, so I'm saying he's on opening day and at the end of the year. Okay, Ryan. I can't see them moving him before opening day, especially especially even from history with uh, Sexton, if you're going to build up all these like worst player in the NBA kind of statistics, which <laughs> I still think are really biased for the team sucks already, and that drops a lot of the statistics. Uh but it, just with everything he invested with him, knowing he had some injury stuff, knowing that this was almost a college year for him, I can't see them moving on from him yet. Now, by the end of the year, if he just completely drags all year, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to package him for something, whether it be draft capital or someone that will legitimately improve the team. But I think that's completely dependent on him having a bad year. And if he doesn't, I think they're going to at least stick with the experiment for at least another year. So, um, um, uh, I'm so torn. So I'm going to say, uh, yeah, probably barring that he's a, not in some huge deal that materialized, uh, he's on the roster at the beginning of the year. And I'm going to say he's so bad. He ends up off the roster. Uh, I just, I think he's going to go down as a really bad draft pick. Uh, and that's just my gut, but that was my gut from the minute I, watched him and the minute i saw them take him and uh so we'll see what happens uh, i hope I hope for the best it. but prepare for the worst so uh wow. last so you're that low you're that low on garl i really don't think he's a good player i just really? don't understand what he does well and to he, me he, he, for who he is he has way too much of an old man game like he seems to me to have a very groundbound game I don't know. I, I, I still think one of the biggest problems is a damn good three-point shooter wouldn't shoot threes for so much of the year. Uh, so I And I do understand what you're saying then, but so, especially the first half of the season or first half of the pseudo season, it was just like you're actually open and you're not shooting. And the team was so high on you because apparently you shoot threes effortlessly and you just kind of would pass them up over and over again. I'm just hoping that's some kind of weird rookie thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. So that's, but I hate his floater. He takes the most groundbound floater I've ever seen. Yeah, um, that's true. 
I, I don't understand it. He's got a really good handle when he wants to have it, but he doesn't. It's, he still hasn't caught up to the speed of the game, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like I said, I hope I'm wrong. So, he waits way too late in the shot clock. I know he usually pulls off a shot before it goes, but he makes me way too nervous so many times when it's like 0.3 seconds left on the clock before it leaves his finger. I know Ben thinks he's got better defensive instincts than Sexton, um, but I just don't see it for the most part. Um, Matthew Della Vadova, uh, my favorite, possibly my favorite player of all time. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Ryan, is Matthew Della Vadova... And the, your future at Cavs of Balog depends upon your answer. Is he on the Cavs at the beginning of next season? I honestly really, really believe yes. He plays barely at all, and he still contributes more to the team than most people that do play. <laughs> you know I'm just giving you a hard time. No, I know, but honestly what I believe, I, back in the day I was still utterly convinced he'd have a 50-40-90 season. Uh, <laughs> I've lost my dream. Of, I figured it would be a qualified 50-40-90 where it wouldn't have enough shots. Yeah. But he has had those moments. Uh, but honestly, it's <clears throat> so many times he would come into the game and he's objectively not a very good basketball player. And yet the team did way better. Yeah. And so I, I just feel like with all the history and all the fan support and all of everything else, if they could sign him to a minimum contract and literally just have him sit there on a suit in the bench and give people high fives, it's worth it. Yeah, I think the one kind of caveat to that is I think Delhi is absolutely good enough to be a pretty darn good player in the EuroLeague. Um, and so I think he could – I think the very real possibility exists that he could make more money over there. I also think that he would fit the Lakers pretty darn well um, and that – if it came down to playing with the Cavs for a little bit of money or playing with the Lakers, um, he would choose the Lakers. And so let's just cover Delhi after he kind of came back from those injuries. Delhi's last 11 games, actually really solid. Um, uh, shooting 43% from the field, 42% from three, uh, almost six assists a game or five-and-a-half assists a game, five points uh, in 23 minutes a night. Really good numbers for a bench guard. Um, so he, he did have a little something left in the tank, and I did feel like that hand injury at the beginning of the season really hurt his shot, um, and other guys probably would have taken some time off, but he didn't do that, um, and I think it hurt his numbers. But uh, So I'm hopeful that he's on the team at the beginning of the season. Not so sure he is at the end. Um, but I do think there's a good chance he ends up at the end on the end of the bench to for a playoff team in the off season that just needs a veteran guard. So and some toughness, Eli. Honestly, in a perfect scenario, I think he would just become like an assistant coach <laughs> and with the Cavs. I mean, that would be the ideal scenario, I think. Uh, um, but I do agree he. He was one of the few players in the backcourt when he shared it with Sexton that they became better than because Sexton's on-off numbers with everyone else. All the young players are terrible, actually. So, you know, I think in my mind, I agree. I really like Del Vadova a lot, too. I think he brings a lot of intangibles that, you know, are hard to measure, impossible to measure. But, uh, 
I would like to see him on the roster at the beginning of the year and all the way through, if possible. Okay. Yeah. It's so many times when he stepped in, it's like you couldn't even physically put your finger on what he was doing. But the Cavs went from looking like a dumpster fire to an NBA team. And it wasn't like he was doing something impressive. He just made them work. Oh, yeah. Well, what about that um, game against the Spurs where he had uh, 11 assists and played 45 minutes? Um, that was, you know, he only he had a that was a great game. And then the game before that, he had a six rebound, 14 assist against Denver. So, yeah, really awesome stretch in, in those two games. Um, you know, two of my favorite moments of the season. He knows his teammates. He knows what they need. And it's, yeah, it's one oh, of those he, things. He's got enough good players on the floor. Yeah. He can just be like, all right, well, I know a way to utilize everything these yeah. other guys are good at. And who cares about me? I, if you could put Matthew Dellavedova in Zach Levine's body, you would have a great basketball player. <laughs> like, yeah. he met Dellavedova into almost any NBA player's body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, again, he objectively should be bad at the sport. Yeah. But. Well, I will say the one thing he does have is what Ben Worth talks about. He is a very strong player yeah. for a guard, especially in the lower body. And I think he gets by so much with that because so many young guards just don't have a ton of lower. Anyway. No, Eli, anything to add? on Delhi or anything we talked about so far. I, I feel like we've kind of exhausted the Cavs here, but it's good to kind of get yeah. back into it a little bit. For sure. So I guess we should end off with the prediction on the Cavs pick, right? Because <laughs> we kind of haven't uh, made a statement on that, I guess. Um, we can. I was going to go over the, the playoffs a little bit. We got Portland okay, yeah, right now, nice. but um, uh do you guys want to do a quick pick them on the uh, on the current playoff series? Sure. Okay, so let me. Yeah, down. Uh, so yeah, Portland and L.A. Uh, what do you think, Eli? Uh, I think Lakers in six. I don't know why everyone thought the world was falling after Game One for the Lakers. It's crazy. A lot of people here. Uh, and SoCal were like, "Oh man, Kobe would have never lost that game. <laughs> uh, Kobe would have never." You know, drop game one, and I'm like, okay, guys, like Kobe, Kobe's the guy who refused to shoot. Round. Yeah, <laughs> in a playoff, Kobe series. lost the Suns two years in a row in the first round. Like, it made absolutely no sense how much everyone was so pessimistic after one game. That's LA. Um, it is, or, but or SoCal, I think they're I gonna. Yeah, I think uh, Lakers are just too talented. The as horrendous as the Lakers' defense is, the Trailblazers' defense is even worse statistically. Yeah. And uh, there's just no way they can guard LeBron and AD effectively enough for to win four out of seven. So I'm saying Lakers in six. Uh, Ryan? I agree with six. Uh, it's I, I feel like the Blazers are going to find another way to sneak another game. But I mean, what was Lakers were what like five at thirty-two from three in the first game? The shooting was just utterly horrendous. The Lakers scored nine baskets that were not made or assisted on by LeBron. I mean, that's even bad for like the late era LeBron Cavs. It's they had a bad night. Portland's been overperforming. Great. I just yeah, I don't see them. I don't see Portland winning four. So I think they'll sneak another one. But six sounds good to me. 
I, I'm going to go with seven, and mainly because home court doesn't even matter anymore in the NBA, in the bubble, um, because everybody's on the same court. Um, so I think the Portland really makes a series out of it, uh, and the refs give it to the Lakers in seven. So uh, Houston and OKC. Uh, I think that series at one on one now. No, it's two zero. Houston's up two zero. Oh, did they win? Okay, they, they came back and won today. the other night. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh, and they're getting Westbrook back eventually. Uh, he's out for the first series, I think, but they get him next round. I think. Oh, okay. Uh, they, they so who you got? You got Houston in that one? Yeah, honestly, I had Houston in seven at the beginning. Obviously, with two games in and. Houston up to, I was probably pretty uh, easy to pick Houston as a winner. That's an yeah. easy pick. Um, but I was actually a little surprised how flat OKC came out for game one, especially I thought Chris Paul would look a lot better in game one. And he looked better today. But, uh, I mean, Houston has found a way to play defense uh, in these playoffs so far, and they've really oh put the God. claims Robert on Covington. CP3. Yeah. Robert Covington is one of the best defense. In the league, I mean, he's got to be in the mm-hmm. top five conversation. He's ridiculous. He can guard For any sure. position. <laughs> he was a G League pickup, wasn't he? No, no, he was. No, I mean, originally, not just now. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. he was by the Sixers. He was a right. undrafted free agent. Right. That's I don't know I if he. I mean, he played in the G League, but they picked him up as an undrafted free agent. So okay. yeah, yeah. But yeah. no, I completely agree. And yeah, it's and PJ uh, Tucker. I think those two guys really can switch anybody. And and I will say Harden's defense has gotten better. There's a team that just gets by. You know, you talk about funk. That like all five of the guys they start are just super strong. Yeah, they all can squat a house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So how many games you got Houston in? Yeah, it's. I know maybe some crazy fluke will happen and it'll be five, but I still think four. Four rather. I, mean, I, I got Chris him in five. Playoff asthma is not gonna take OKC through this. Yeah, I think Houston, I think it's a gentleman's side. So uh, here's the series that is at one-on-one, the Jazz and the Nuggets, and kind of both games, well, the first game was an overtime loss for the Jazz, and they kind of blew the game, Nuggets out in game two. So, uh, Ryan, who you got? See, that one I have trouble on, because uh, for last couple of years, although Jazz have been doing a little bit longer. They're both teams that, like, you look at them and they should be more successful than they are. And then something goes wrong and they kind of backtrack and they get better, especially with the Jazz, where it's like they always have looked like on the cusp of moving to a top tier team. And then they, like, lose someone, but they gain someone that, you know, like Donovan Mitchell is way better than they expected. It's uh, Jazz, I feel like, have a little bit of the veteran presence on the Nuggets. Nuggets, I feel like, have a little bit of the talent. Uh, end of the day, I'm going to go Jazz and seven. Eli? Yeah, so we're going to have a disagreement. I think the Nuggets end up winning the series. I think it'll go seven. Um, I really think Jokic and I think they're, it's going to be counterproductive long term, but I think they're going to have to cut Michael Porter Jr.'s minutes a little bit. I think they were trying to ride his hot hand, but I think they just need to go back to what worked for them for the majority of the season, which was Jamal Murray and Jokic uh, two-man game. Um, so I think the Nuggets find a way to win. I think they're the superiorly talented team, and 
Um, you know, they yeah, I'm with beat you. the playoff demons two years in a row, so I think they get it done. Yeah, Jay, I think and, Nuggets are better than the Jazz, but I just feel like the Jazz are going to win. Yeah, but I so, think with almost everything you said, I think that the biggest problem with the Jazz is how hit or miss from a game to game basis um, Spider Mitchell is. Um, he seems to either be really good or pretty or just mediocre. Like he's not consistent enough. And I think that's his biggest problem right now. And I don't think he has four great games in him and they have so they need him so bad on offense. I don't think he can give them that for four games in a season. Remember we spanked the nuggets twice. Who you and Eli? Oh, you mean the Cavs? Yeah, pick up Although we're the only team to do it. Yeah, uh, no, and but it's so hard to say that for the Cavs because so much of it is just who you snuck up on. You oh, know. I know. Yeah, it's, but I still thought it was funny to say. Oh, absolutely. So Clippers and Dallas, which after Portland, LA is the funnest series, right? Because uh, Luka Doncic is amazing. <laughs> that guy, like, there's a great thing. So who is, like, the historical comp for Luka Doncic right now? Like, a lot of people say Larry Bird, but I don't think it's remotely close to Larry Bird. Because he's got way better handle than Larry Um Statistically, there, there's at least a comp. I, I agree he's got a way better handle than Bird, but I, it, there's a, the unfortunate, even if you're not thinking about it, you know, big white guy thing, but yeah. not center white. Guy Which thing. is hilarious because that was Dirk too. True, although Dirk's like yeah. center white guy, not like just big white guy. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things. Even if you don't want to think it, you think it. And then there's also the slow white guy thing. Yeah. Which... So my comp was like uh, a stronger uh, Manu. Okay. He reminds me, his Euro game reminds me a lot of Manu, although I think Manu was a lefty and he's a right. Yeah. He's a little bigger than Manu, too, right? Yeah. Well, from stockier, I think they're around the same height, but I think he's, he's stock. He might be an inch or two taller, but yeah, he reminds me a lot of Manu. Eli, or Eli, who, who's, who's your comp for, for Donkic? I like, I actually really like the Manu comp. I actually think he plays a lot like LeBron does now, where he's like, that's a good like comp. A, like, like a, not yeah. hyper athletic LeBron, Correct. just like yeah. super point power forward LeBron. Exactly, and he doesn't. You know, of course, he's not going to dunk it. His defense is probably not as good, but the way he plays offense, especially, I think uh, I, it's pretty similar. And he shoots a three more consistently, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, that's that's probably my best comp at this Nice. Day. So who wins no, that series, Eli? Oh man, I really want to pick the Mavs so bad. I really do, but I, I just can't do it. I think the Clippers are too talented, and yeah, uh, they I'm find the way. I'm with you, and I also think the Clippers have coasted a little. And mm-hmm. when the question is, will Kawhi be Kawhi? And if he is, then Dallas is losing. But if Kawhi continues to struggle and isn't the player he was last year. Um, then, then Dallas has a shot, but I'm with you. I think how many games? I think it's going to go seven. Nice. And the one player that I'm like super shocked by that Dallas did a great job is Dorian Finney Smith. The dude could not hit the barn 
from the three-point line when he started his career, but now he's, like, automatic almost. He's, like, the best three and like, upcoming player that I've seen in a while. He really turned it on this season. Yeah, um, and kudos to their GM for them surviving a lot of big injuries. You yeah, know, for sure. I'm we'll trying to remember Porzingis a lot. Huh? Well, they missed Porzingis, but they also entirely lost... Um, Oh, who's the guy that was on the Cavs for a hot second that played power forward for them? Ah, it's going to rank Dallas. Dwight lost. Powell. Dwight Powell. Dwight they Powell. lost Dwight Powell for this season, yeah. and they lost Brunson for the rest of the season, too, who is their backup point guard. So they've had a lot yeah. of injuries to overcome. So uh, what about you, yeah. Ryan? Who you got? I really, really, really want to pick Dallas, but I think Clippers, and I'm really hoping it's seven at least. Yeah, I think I, it's going to be. I thought Ben had a great take of an entertaining five, but I'm going to call it an entertaining six. For uh, it, I think for the Clippers six is probably more likely, but I'm hoping for seven, and more so hoping because I'd just yeah. love to see Dallas take it. Uh, but yeah, it's just there's so many about the things about the team that just make you want them to just break out and have that just stunning sort of season. Uh, as far as the Dantic uh, LeBron comparison, the one thing I think is funny is obviously uh, Dantic is better of a three point shooter, but it's still funny how LeBron has had those spurts where he has been that good. Where it was, I think his last year on the Cavs, he was the best player in the NBA in deep threes, which is just utterly insane. Which guy? But like in three, like over like thirty five feet, his Who, percentage was. Huh? <laughs> who was it? Who did you say? Sorry, I missed it. LeBron. LeBron. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. it, it was a statistic of, like, threes over, like, 35 feet or something like that. Long threes, like, <clears throat> Steph Curry was two with something respectable, and LeBron was just mountains ahead of him. So he does have those moments, but otherwise, yeah, again, I agree with the comparison. And, yeah, I, I want the Mavs to win, and I I would be so psyched to watch them do that or even take it to seven, but... Yeah, I don't Can I just it'll... drop one one tidbit of information that a lot of people don't know this year? Uh, What's that? The Dallas Mavericks, the 2019-2020 Dallas Mavericks, have the highest NBA offensive rating in the history of the game. Yeah. Believe it or not. And so, I, it, it blew my mind. That that How was, many seasons uh, before Luka Doncic is MVP? Oh, I, you know, I think in honestly, two seasons think, he'll be MVP. I was going two three. He's literally it's like literally the quietest. Like he's accomplished so much. This is his second year. He's twenty one years old. He's and he's like almost averaging a triple double. Like that's it's amazing like how little hype he gets in my opinion. I feel like he's still under hyped for how good he is. Oh, I know. And the, the the stupid thing, like this whole NBA restart, like who did they hype the hell out of? Uh Zion Williams. Zion. Like the guys yeah. you should have been hyping were like Luca, Luca. and LeBron and uh, Jason Tatum and you know Jimmy Butler, <laughs> and Giannis and Siakam. Yeah, like let's do some guys who've actually won. So yeah, Milwaukee yeah. and Orlando. I'm gonna this series. You know what this series reminds me of? Series reminds me of that year that. The Cavs went up 2-0 on Toronto, and then everybody's like, oh, my God, it's going to be a series, and then they just killed them. Or, and Toronto won yeah, the next no. year, too, and then the Cavs just killed them in the next 
two games. And yep. I'm going to say Orlando sneaks up again and on them for another game, and then Milwaukee blows them out. Because Milwaukee's been low-key terrible in the uh, in the bubble, in the restart. Yeah. And people aren't shooting well, and you know, playoff bud. So we'll see what happens. But I think uh, they they drop another one and Milwaukee wakes up. So that's my prediction. Ryan? Yeah, I I think six is a good call as well. I mean, there is playoff bud, and that's I, we have so much evidence in the past of that. But I still can't see Orlando somehow really legitimately knocking off Milwaukee for four. Uh, so, yeah, I think Orlando sneaks another one. But other than that, that's it. Nice. Um, Eli, same yeah, thing? Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think Orlando gets another game makes it interesting. So I think it ends up being 4-2 Milwaukee. And, you know, I hope – I actually do really hope Milwaukee makes it pretty far this year. Uh, but as of right now, I, they would not be my favorite to win the East. No. Uh, my favorite to win the East is in the next bracket, and that's Miami, who I think goes four over over Indy. Uh, what about you, Eli? What do you got for that series? I think I got four or one, and I actually have a different team that I like to win the East. Okay, so. well, we'll get to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, uh, Ryan? Miami and Indy. Indy's I done, four, right? Yeah, I think four is likely. Four, four one might happen, but... <clears throat> Did Oladipo play the last game? I don't Did know he if come he back from the eye injury, Eli? I'm not sure. I was going to ask you that. I hoped you knew the answer to it. Because, yeah, I was <laughs> going to say that's Indy's one chance at getting a game. But, I mean, Miami is so consistently overperformed with a roster of just, well, these guys are pretty good. And then they have someone that can push them, like Butler. The culture of the team, they've been playing together for a while. It's... Yeah, I I think they're a good dark horse for the Eastern Conference in general. Yeah, Oladipo did play today. Yeah, he played thirty-seven minutes. Yeah, so, so he should be oh. okay. Yeah, no, I I think the Heat the Heat could be really really good, and I think they're actually a team that's set up to be really good for a long time. Uh, I, Duncan Robinson might get a max contract after uh, if he keeps shooting like he is, and. Um, Tyler Harrow's looking like a great draft pick. Kendrick Nunn, uh, a a very smart, if not entirely ethical, addition to the team. Um, and, and they're just super deep. And Bam Adebayo, I think, is a really good center. Uh, one of the the few guys that can really affect the game without having to score a lot of points. So, yeah, they've got a really good team. Yeah, I still think Crowder's a tool, but other than that, yeah. Well, I think. Crowder is he's, kind of a token starter for them too. Yeah, which he should have been for us, but he was even worse than that. But oh God, but in general, I agree. Jay toe on the line, Crowder. <laughs> <laughs> he was my lead. What I was with there, I was watching the other night with my uh, with my wife, and I was like, because <laughs> she always goes, "That's Jay. He's one ugly mother." You know, from Predator, because he's got the Predator hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my my wife goes, I go. He's my all time least favorite Cav. And then I was like, I'm sorry, I forgot about Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is a tough one. What the least favorite Cav? No, Isaiah Thomas wins. But I'm oh. just saying. 
I'm just saying it's it's tough to be faced with those kind of challenges. Yeah, exactly. Who's your all-time least favorite Cav, Eli? Yeah, it's tough. I think it might have to be... You know, Isaiah Thomas was really bad, <laughs> but if there's a player who was, like, drafted and kind of stuck around for a little bit, it might have to be... Might have to be Dion Waiters for me. Oh, I, I love know. Dion. But I can see why you could also hate Dion. Yeah. <laughs> I was so hard on Team Kyrie back then, too. That's, yeah. like, what made it hard. Because I was like, dude, we have the best, like, this in 2013, even when the Cavs were horrible. I was like, well, I don't understand why everyone thinks Dion should play more. It makes no sense. <laughs> okay. Question. Uh, not all-time best, but all-time favorite Cavs. Well, I already said mine. And that's oh, Kelly, Kelly. So. Yeah. Okay. Eli? You know, I, I I think it might have to be uh might have to be Kevin Love actually. I that's really like him. Pick. He's in my top five for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say he's in my top three. My top number one though has gotta be Mark Price. Oh yeah, no. I mean he's great. I think Eli, you and I probably weren't fans in that era. Well, Eli, uh, I don't even uh, think is I old enough to be Ohio, a fan yeah. in that era. <laughs> Wait, every, all right, I yeah, was like, Nate, you're older than me, but Eli, how old are you? Um, thir- I'm turning 30 at the end of this month. Oh, my okay, gosh. So, you're yeah. so young, Eli. <laughs> See, I just turned 36. Yeah, yeah. So you came kind of in at the tail end of the price era. Well, no, I came in at the like height of the price era. I, I cried at, in 1989 when we lost to the Bulls. I was five, but I cried over. Wow, you started early. So my, my whole thing with Mark Price back when he was watching the Akron Good Years, so he got me into nice. it like as a little kid. So my whole thing with Mark Price was I grew up in Alaska, and my team was the Celtics, and the Bird McHale era Celtics, and my best friend's team was the Cavs. So we would play every video game. It would always be Cavs versus Celtics. And all my buddy would do would just shoot three-pointers with Mark Price all game and then, you know, dunk with Hot Rod and Larry Nance and uh, or shoot hooks with Brad Doherty. Um, and I have a signed Hot Rod Williams card, by the way. Nice, card nice. When I was a kid. So I have a love-hate relationship with the 90s, uh, with, <laughs> with the 90s. Cavs, but I I love them now for sure. Just Mark Price, I, to me was why I grew to love basketball because this guy that shouldn't have been good, but he's quick as hell. And at the time, it, I was kind of decent at math as a kid, but didn't understand the game very well. And I'm like, why don't people shoot more threes? And Price <laughs> is first player in NBA history to average five threes a year and shoot forty percent. I he pioneered the splitting the splitting the double team on screens. Everything that Steph Curry does and has become a superstar from, he learned from Steve Kerr playing next to Mark Price. No, I absolutely think that Mark Price might be the most deserving player to go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. uh, He's on the list for sure. His his stats, the things he pioneered, the way he played, it's uh, uh, he's my hero. If Rick Mahorn hadn't messed him up that one year <laughs> anyway yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm sorry yeah that no, was no 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 so, it, it was a great tangent but we got to finish this up and close out this pod yeah we're getting long in the tooth okay so i'm assuming 
Uh, well, I'm going to say, who's up next for you, Eli? Boston or Philly? Is is your favorite to win in this bracket? Definitely Boston without Simmons. Uh, I think this is going to be a gentleman's sweep. Okay, uh, is the, is Boston your favorite to win it all in the East? No. Oh, okay, so we're getting into yeah. it. I, I, can, I think I can guess. Gentleman's yeah. sweep. Okay, what about you, Ryan? Boston, Philly. I'm hoping somehow they find a way to both lose in four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really dislike both these teams. But. Yeah, it's, and there's reasons I've tried to like them, and I like the old Celtics, and I have this love-hate thing with Embiid, but uh, I really hate both teams. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think Boston clinches it. I, I just don't think Philly knows how to put it all together. I really don't know how many games it's going to go to. I just hope it's as few as possible. Yeah. I uh, know it's funny because Philly just looks like like all those contracts that that we said look like terrible contracts are looking like terrible contracts, you know. Um that horrific Al Horford contract. Um <laughs> Uh who is uh the uh who's their power forward? Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is looking like a terrible contract. Yeah, um, where he went from being like MVP candidate to just, eh, he's a guy that's here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like both those guys did sign and retire con. Yeah, they, oh, and losing Reddick was, I think, yeah, that's so huge. underrated for them. He did, so, he opened up the floor so much for them. Right, he was so much of a like, okay, well, Embiid and Simmons, and obviously Simmons isn't there right now, but just live in the paint, and so much of the team lives in the paint, but you have to be terrified of this guy on the perimeter that, yeah, without Reddick, it just, it completely disrupts any advantage they had. Well, and the other thing is, is that Reddick's off-ball movement allows you to run half-court sets that aren't just completely pick-and-roll dominated, uh, and allows you some variety in your half-court sets. Well, back to how like, we were able to year. use Corver as like a second star. Yeah. Not because he was actually that dangerous on his own, but we just were able to get people scared enough of him yeah. that we were able to make things work. I mean, we have so many game winners from using him as a decoy. And I think Reddick was the exact same sort of thing. Yeah. No, I'm going to go with, uh, with Boston and four because I think uh, Boston's hungry and Philly is just, I think they're going to lose the next game and give up so that's where i'm at and uh so i'm gonna also pick uh is toronto up 2-0 now mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna pick toronto in three <laughs> <laughs> because i think brooklyn's just dead man walking at this point and they just don't have enough and talk about another team that whose roster construction is looking terrible like we all knew it would um uh, but I'm going to pick Toronto in four. And uh, Ryan, who you got in this series? Toronto in how many games? Uh, two and a half. No, yeah, <laughs> I agree there. It's, I mean, <sighs> Brooklyn is so waiting for next year. Yeah, and they're de- they're totally depleted injury wise. So right, well, which is a big part of waiting for next year. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's so Eli. Who's your pick to win it all in the East? Uh, it's the Toronto Raptors. Nice. Dude, I, I, I'm, I just think that uh, they're so well coached. And they know how to play with each other. This is this shouldn't really be a surprise. They had a better record without Kawhi last year. Obviously, I don't think they won a title without Kawhi either. I'm not no. trying to say that. But you know they're efficient. 
they know how to play each other. And I think the way they play is so beautiful because all of them, all the players on the team aren't, you know, don't have these specific siloed roles. Um, you know, Lowry and Van Fleet can both operate as facilitators or scorers. Um, their bench is pretty good with Abaka, Norman Powell, and Rondé Hollis Jefferson coming off of it. I think, and they're so they're pretty deep for the playoff run as well. Um, and obviously, I I love Pascal Siakam's game. I think he's I think he's also similar to Luke. I think he's so criminally underrated for what he does. He just does, oh yeah, he can do everything. Um, yeah, he, and he's, he's a really much better is. defender. Yeah, no, he is a ridiculously like. There's a guy. Another guy that's great to think of, like, the historical comp for that guy. And I don't know if there is one, to be honest. It's, I don't know if there's a guy who has the game that mid-post... Like, he's just such a dervish with the spin moves in the lane and the able to take you inside and outside and are being a really good defender. Um, you mean dervish? I said... That's what I meant to say, but I slurred it. Okay, just checking. <laughs> my my 2.5%... Schopenhoffer has uh, has gone to my head. Um, yeah, no, he's really good. He's fun to watch. So the one thing I worry about them, though, is Boston, I actually think, is a tough matchup for them with how strong Boston's guards are um, and how, like, Lowry doesn't have that strength advantage against Market Smart that he has against a lot of other guys. Uh, so that's going to be a super fun series. But I think ultimately, like you said, maybe Nick Nurse and the coaching figures that out. So, and I just think with uh, the Raptors going the entire way in the East, that they, they do have a chance and they do have the talent. Uh, it's I, I just don't think they have that thing of that guy that's going to hit a shot that bounces off the rim four times and goes in at the buzzer that makes them a shoe in for uh, for claiming the conference. Yeah. Um. So who do you have in the conference? I'm I still leaning on Dark Horse Miami. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on Miami. I think I think Miami well the two best coaches in the East to me are Nurse and Spolstra and Miami just looks I think Jimmy Butler's hungry. And I, agree with that. I think they outcoach Milwaukee in the next round and Milwaukee is the off season's going to be brutal for Milwaukee if they don't at least get to the finals. Because uh, all anybody's going to talk about in the off season is where Giannis is going after this next. So, uh, what yeah. about the what about the West? Who comes out of the West, Ryan? Uh, oh, sorry, reviewing in my head really quick. Uh, I I gotta lean on the Lakers as much as I think the whole thing is going to be rough, and I think. I think they're going to have a lot of almost out of it and someone finds a weakness kind of thing and LeBron can't do everything. Kind of like the uh, Cavs in 2019 or whatever, or 20, was it 18? 18, yeah. Yeah. But it's, I, I don't see anyone that has that Golden State panache to just knock them out before they get to the finals. And I still think the Lakers, if, Lakers end up against Miami, I still think LeBron can just bulldoze over Miami, even if the team's not supposed to be better. Yeah, uh, I don't think the Clippers have enough shooting. Um, so, God, it's so tough. And I, I think Houston's actually a really tough matchup for LA, but um, I, agree with that. I don't think the NBA lets the Lakers, if they're close, not make the finals. 
So I think you're going to see the Lakers in the Heat in the finals. And would be uh, a great storyline. Yeah, obviously. it would be. Um, and I'm going to take Lakers in six in the finals. Uh, what about you, Eli? Who you got in the Who you got from the West, and who's winning it all? Um, I think the Lakers make it out because. There's just so many factors and storylines that need to be fulfilled this year. Yeah. Um, like Kobe Bryant, the whole, you know, and all this other stuff. But I also do think Anthony Davis and LeBron are two, the best duo. And usually, typically, that always wins you the game, wins you the championship. Yeah. So. I, I think now, they, the other thing is, I, I don't think it's a lock either. I mean, like Ryan said, they're going to have to play their butts off. Yeah. And definitely have to play really well. Um, but I think if they play Toronto, who I have going coming out of the East, I think they win in six. Um, <laughs> when they play Lebronto, <laughs> yeah. But they're not playing with Lebronto, remember? So well, that's, that's true. Wrong. That is well, true. it will be Lebronto when they're playing there. It's or Bronto. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh, uh, I think uh, that might have qualified as a dad joke. Uh, oh, I definitely <laughs> did. Uh, so who you got Lakers, Miami in the finals, Ryan? Who, who no, I win? still go with Lakers as well. It's And even if it ends up with Toronto, which I don't think is that unlikely, I think Eli's got a good point still. Uh, but it's – I think LeBron does LeBron, and it, there's just not a team that has that just overwhelming dearth of power to stop him yeah i i don't know i'm really excited to see what that houston lake looks like because i think there's going to be some monsters here they're going to be a lot of fun so i agree with the west in general this entire the west and the east right to be honest with you i think both the second round matchups are going to be awesome well i mean even just the entire west playoffs literally every series anyone could win except the oklahoma houston that would really surprise the hell out of me but other than that, every other matchup in the West, you could imagine a scenario where either team would win. Might yeah. not be likely, but th- there's that kind of dynamic yeah. that's something we haven't seen in the league for years. Well, this has been a marathon podcast, so I really appreciate you guys staying on. And well, thank um, you for it was a blast. And uh, Cavs with the fifth pick, I'm super happy about it. Um and as always, go cat. Oh, any parting shots, guys? Anything you want to pitch? Parting uh, shots? I just, uh, if we're doing recommendations, I just watched Bear Grylls' uh, new reality show. That was pretty mind-numbing but entertaining. Nice. An Amazon original, the like, eco-challenge Fiji race thing. Wow. By a bunch of people doing like 600 kilometers across Fiji and like, 10 days or something like five days stupid but really entertaining nice so, Eli, I, anything to pitch no not really i just uh <laughs> hope the Cavs draft board is strong and kind of mimics what we discussed that's all awesome. i'm hoping for in today's yeah the only thing i got to pitch is deep work which i talked about in the uh in my article today and uh and yeah that's it i'm sorry i cut you off back there ryan was there one more thing you wanted to say uh, there was, but I didn't think of it till after I uh, oh. stopped talking. But oh, okay. the deep work thing, by the way, I thought was really interesting. I 
I really appreciated that article. I haven't got the chance to really comment on that part of it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, check out the the audiobooks is a, is a pretty I listen to most of it in 5 hours, so and I think if you do like Goodreads or Audible, it's it's free. So Yeah, I'd be really interested in that. And yeah, it's I appreciate it, especially from the fact that I have a tendency to multitask on like four things at once. That and, is interesting. and do them all poorly? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Right. <clears throat> or it's interesting to sometimes be like, all right, just one thing, and it's amazing how much you can do with that. Yeah. Uh, but yet my other uh, quick pitch thing, which is a little too late, and I don't know if you guys even care about it, but watching the end of Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a pretty emotional, important moment for my life. Oh, so how many seasons did that go? Seven. Seven, okay. I, I was a big fan of that show early on, and I remember Bill Paxton... Uh, was a big part of that show, and it was a it was awful when he passed. Um, and well, you know, his son was in the last season. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. His so. son played a younger version of himself oh, in okay. the final season. It was in like four or five episodes. Or, nice, yeah, <clears throat> and it's kind of an homage to him as well. So cool. Uh because yeah, I agree. Uh, it's the. I thought they did a really great job. Well, at the end of season five, everyone thought it was going to kind of be over, and they did that really kind of gut-wrenching sort of depressing end. And then they got two more seasons that were like half seasons. But they, I think they did a good job of ethical fan service for season seven, where they revisited a bunch of stuff, and they ended with stuff that made you feel happy. And good. there was some hope, and it was like, well, all TV doesn't have to be incredibly bleak and dark and depressing just so you can prove how real it is. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, how great would that be if all TV was really real? Like, you have a show like My Crappy Job, where a guy's just, like, at a warehouse putting, like, bottle caps on bottles all day, and he sighs occasionally. And it's like, that was so real. So, <laughs> so I, I appreciate sometimes a little bit of happiness and joy and fan service for sitting into you know, sitting through a series for seven years. And I was quite happy about that. Nice. I'm excited to check out Lovecraft Country. That's my that's on my list. And oh, I've been binging The Wire, which is an awesome show. So I need to go back and do The Wire. I've watched The Shield like 15 times, which is absurd. And The Wire kind of like the emotional precursor to it. So, and yeah, I saw the Lovecraft Country promos on Amazon. I've been meaning to check that out as well. So as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire.